Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good Friday morning, St. Louis. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker out today. He's going to play a little golf this morning slash this afternoon. But Danny Mack is here with us. It's Friday, so Danny Mack is in the house. Does that mean good morning? That means good morning to you, Dan. All right, Michelle, good morning. No, Randy, let's let the party begin, you know, because Randy just is so hard on us. He really he's tough, man. He's just, you know, you try to please him. He's been in this business forever. He's one of my best friends. And, I mean, during the breaks, he's usually yelling about things that we say or don't do. So this is going to be really easy the next three hours. But iron sharpens iron. He makes us better. (laughs) He does make us better. I love Randy. He's the best. Hopefully he enjoys his day off. Uh, But, Dan, it was an amazing day for sports yesterday, especially here in St. Louis. But let's work in reverse, shall we? Let's Let's work from last night until the daytime. So the kickoff of the NFL season, the Buccaneers versus the Cowboys. It was a great and very entertaining first NFL game. Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers end up on top 31-29. They gave Tom Brady a little more than a minute at the end. You knew he was going to march down and put the Bucs in a position to win. They ended up kicking a field goal. And, Dan, even though the Bucs won the game, I would take that as a moral victory for the Cowboys because not only did they hang with the Bucks until the very end, but Dak Prescott back better than ever after that injury and looks like a top five quarterback in this league. Over 400 yards, and uh, it was if you're the NFL man, that and you had center stage last night on national television. It's a kickoff to your season. You've got the preeminent quarterback of the last two decades, and then you have a guy coming back that you've, you know, if you're a league, you think about individuals that you invest in, and Dak Prescott certainly is one of those, and he's with quote unquote America's team. <laughs> so you had those two guys going back and forth and then it fi- it winds up where you know Brady with like you said just uh, what it was over a minute to just right around a minute to to win it and he goes and and he wins the game it was typical Tom Brady but it was the NFL is great you know for its flaws and there's plenty of them that we we've seen here in St. Louis the entertainment of the product is magnificent and it was on display last night so it was an entertaining game um I still watch and I don't know if you're like this or if our listeners are like this I still watch Brady and I go how is he doing this i do i watch brady i watch adam wainwright and i'm like whatever they're doing i need to do it whatever they're selling i'm buying i, I, I need to stretch more i need to eat more avocados whatever, whatever it is man. i will do it well i it, you know what it made me think of was so i'm watching the football game and i'm watching brady do his thing and how old is he now 45 44 no, I think he's 43. whatever three okay stand by i think so, he just turned 43 in august so but i'm, I'm sitting there watching albert Pujols yesterday 44 he's 44 okay so that's what i thought 45 44 so and this is no disrespect to albert whatsoever but 
because the guy hit a home run two days ago, whatever it was, three sure. three days ago. But I watched Albert run. So, like, he was running a little bit. And even when he was running around the bases in a home run, I'm mm-hmm. like, man, he's really struggling just to run, which I've seen. And then I watch Brady, and he goes back in the pocket. Not that he's running, but you can still see he's quick with nimble, you know, getting the ball out of his hands, reading coverages. And I'm like, wow, he's still really good. And I thought his arm last night was better than I've seen it in the last couple of years. I mean, he was throwing darts everywhere. I'm like, how is he doing that? Like, I'm 47, and I'll go out and play catch with my kids. Now, we used to play catch all the time. And I'm like, man, my arm is killing me the next day. How (laughs) is he doing this? Totally. So it's it's just amazing to see. Uh, to your point about the running, I think as at, well humans in general, but especially when you watch athletes as they get older, sometimes when you see them run, there's a heaviness to yeah. their motion. Tom Brady looks light as a feather when yeah. he is running. It's unbelievable how he is so pliable and he looks so flexible. He looks like he has not lost a step. And the other guy that, uh, you know, breaks uh, his ankle and, you know, you, you watch him get carted off last year. It's like no big deal. No. Came back, rehabbed. He's ready to roll. I, I always think about this. I had a really bad ankle injury one time it was awful like and then it my ankle is still loose from that time so i'll be walking every once in a while just boop, you know like it turns and this was a long time ago long time and ago. it still affects you now and it's still it's more mental than it is mm-hmm. physical you know what i mean i think about those guys that have that like how do you do it like mentally how do you get over the hump but they do i guess maybe they're just mentally tough but different people i don't know but well, I'm like, how do they Alex do Smith? this? Like when Alex Smith. I watched went, that the other day, by the way. Um, when you watch what he endured and then you think that guy went back out and played football after that. The I, whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking that. <laughs> I mean, this is not Tiger Woods. When he returns to golf, yeah. that will be amazing for him to overcome these injuries. But it's not a violent sport like football. If exactly. I was Alex Smith, I'd be so thrilled that I was able to rehab, spend time with my family. I'd make money. There's no way I would be going back out on that. Have field. you seen the E60 on that? It's I, there were parts of it I couldn't watch. So it's so intense. Yeah. I, it's so great. Like, it's great. Great, though. So when he goes in to have the, the first surgery and then the infection gets in there and they're taking pictures of his leg and they're showing that and you literally see the rod, which would be his bone and the skin and the you know cartilage and whatnot around it has been eaten away by the infection. You're like, what would possibly motivate you to go back out and play football when you now have a leg that is going to work? They fixed it and you got through it like enough's enough. And it's just it's catastrophic, the injury. But yet he goes back out there and plays, which makes it even more remarkable that he did it. I'm thinking, what motivates you to do that? I mean, God bless him. It's awesome to see him do it. But holy smokes, how do you do that? I couldn't do it. That's what no I, way. A lot of these guys are built different. They are just wired different. They are. Right. They are wired different. <laughs> Period. End of story. <laughs> you and I, not wired that way. Okay, so yesterday we got some great news that David Backus is signing a one-day contract with the St. Louis Blues where he started his career. David Backus spent his first 10 season with, seasons with the Blues, just one of 14 players to wear the blue note for the last decade. Overall, 460 points, 206 goals, 254 six, 969 penalty minutes because David Backus is a tough guy with the Blues. And, Dan, he spoke yesterday about why he wanted to come back and retire with the Blues. Well, when I was back in St. Louis at the end of the season, uh, played that last game uh, early May, uh, they were trying to tease something up. I figured I was going to be done after the season. They're like, do you want us to say, you know, 
congrats on your retirement or um, you know whatever comes next we want to do a little tribute for you if this is the end so it was it was a little complicated uh, but through that time I just said I feel like I want to you know kind of do what Jacks did and come back to where I feel like I belong and wanted to uh, retire as a blue and so through that process uh, reached out to to army and he said well we would absolutely love that you know we were kind of thinking the same thing so um that came to fruition and then today came to reality and just really happy that uh, we could make that happen i read his retirement letter i don't know if you saw that it was on nhl.com and it was really well written and he says well i'm really a numbers guy and he talked about what he wanted to do if he wasn't playing hockey and he said you know my parents really didn't have uh Obviously, being from Minnesota, they were hockey fans, but never really an athletic background, I guess, is kind of reading into the letter. And he said, here I am, this guy that plays a long time in the NHL. And he said, you know, when I was in the minor leagues, the coaches called me in and I thought I was going back down to a different level, going to Alaska when he was in the blue system. And then they call him up and he talks about uh, Keith Kachuk. And then the letter eventually gets to the point where he talked about what he just talked about there with the guys on the fast lane, which was his final game in St. Louis. And in that letter online, they they showed the interview. I don't know if you remember the interview. I think it was Darren Pang that did it. So emotional. He's so emotional. And that's what made it so cool is to see him retire a blue. And the other thing I think about Michelle is that his fingerprints are all over the Stanley Cup champion team. Various individuals that were a part of that have a connection to David Backus, whether it be Alex Petrangelo when he had to look in his car and, and find the letter from one captain to the next, or the young players that he helped uh, groom and get uh, ingratiated into the NHL. So his his fingerprints are all over that team, which is the, the most famous team of hockey in this town. So uh, great for him. And I would imagine if he wants it, and I don't want to speak for the Blues front office, but I would imagine if he wants some type of role with the Blues, it's probably going to come. And I think the Blues would be very lucky to have somebody of David Backus's caliber join them, whether it's the front office or whatever. He's one of those guys that he he wasn't the flashiest goal scorer, but I think for so many people, he was one of the favorite guys that ever wore the blue note. He represented the organization and the city so great. He was so tough. He was always there. He was a consistent guy. And to your point, the foundation of those teams that helped build the team that eventually won the Stanley Cup. And I'll remember David Backus for so many things, but one of the things that I'll always think of is the only bad part about the Blues winning the Stanley Cup for me is that David Backus wasn't there and that he was part of the opposition. Yeah, because I, I'm with you on that one, too. He wanted it as badly as we did. You yeah. know, he cared as much as we did. And I always wanted that moment for I him. I thought it was cool, too, that he... Um in his time in St. Louis, remember when he first came to the NHL, they were bad. The Blues were, it was clearly a rebuild, you know, and and, and so the, he was part of some of those really bad losses and bad teams and lopsided losses, and then you get better and better, and you mentioned how he represented the Blues in the city, and that's the other thing I think about. You know, when you're a captain and you wear that C, it's not only what you represent on the ice, but it's all the events that you do away from the rink, which is... Uh, the charitable efforts and he got very involved in charity here in St. Louis became a visible guy was great with the media which is also a part of wearing that C when after a tough loss the media comes in the locker room and you're kind of the guy that's got to speak about and you're not happy but you're the one that's got to do it 
he did all those things with an A+. Plus. So uh, good for him. Happy retirement. I'm glad that he's going to retire with his health intact, too, for the most part, it looks like. So that's always something that's very important when I look at a guy saying goodbye is that they still have the rest of their life to think about and to live healthy mentally and physically. Absolutely. And we want to hear from you today. We're going to talk about David Backus and his career. Send us your favorite memories or or what you feel about David Backus retiring as a blue 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line, or you could always download the 101 ESPN app and send us a, a Rhino Shield mic drop. We would love to hear your voice on this one. And then finally, Dan, let's start with the beginning of the day. The Cardinals finally. and the Dodgers. Cardinals and the Dodgers looking for the split here in the fourth Michelle, series. you know I love baseball. Well, Dan, we save the best for last, All of right. course. Of All course. right. All right. So the Cardinals in the fifth inning tied 1-1 with the Dodgers. Bottom of the fifth, Tyler O'Neill steps in the box, and here's what happened. The second wild card has been added, and that is hit out to deep left. Did he get it up? It's at the wall, and it is gone. It's a home run. Tyler O'Neill just over the wall and left. Oh, who was on the call for oh, that? So good. It's it got to be better so, than that. So Terrible good. call. Well, Tyler O'Neill, that home run helps power the Cardinals to a 2-1 victory over the Dodgers, and they get the, sweet, uh, the split, excuse me, Dan, in this series. I... Uh, well, there's a lot of things. We're going to talk a lot about this game, probably. A lot about okay, this game Okay, so today. I'll just do the, the quick nuts and bolts of it. First of all, uh, your bullpen was awesome yesterday. So if you're mad at Mike Schilt, you can't be this morning. <laughs> That's Pulled right. The, he, he pushed the right buttons la- uh, yesterday, so that was cool. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, back-to-back days with a home run. You know, Michelle, there's, what, three weeks to go in the regular season, mm-hmm. and we— I remember sitting in here, you know, six months ago with you guys, and we're saying, okay, we're going to find out about these young outfielders. I think we found out about Tyler O'Neill specifically. You know, that's 25 home runs that he's hit. 25. And he's been on the IL at least twice, maybe three times. He he plays a good defensive left field. But you have found out about him, in my opinion. I think that he's made an adjustment with the breaking ball. Majority of his home runs uh, in probably the first 15 to 18 were done off a curveball. And now he's punishing a fastball as teams have adjusted to that. So that was good to see. And now the Cardinals uh, are still making this thing interesting, man. They're three games out and a chance to to catch the Reds, if not pass them, because the Reds are in town mm-hmm. tonight. So the bullpen was really good. Um, and it was uh, the the final thing I'll say is that, and I'm sure we'll get into this maybe a little later, is that it? Is that the final time that we're ever going to see Albert Pujols? Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot about that when he drew the walk and, and TJ McFarland in a one-run game where you're still mathematically alive gets booed by the home crowd for walking <laughs> Albert Pujols. And uh, I specifically watched, it was a ground ball to short, force play at second. I specifically watched him run from second base to the dugout. And I wanted to take it in. And I think what I said was something, if, if this is indeed it, what a ride it's been, Albert. Thank you, and it's been awesome. Um, and it has been. It's just still even when he comes through town, whether it was with the Angels, which was highly anticipated. And for me, even this one was highly anticipated. What a great ride it's been as a visitor, as obviously as a Cardinal. But, man, what a career, what a player. And uh, could have been the final time we see him in uniform in a major league game at Bush Stadium. We're going to talk about that and much more having to do with the Cardinals coming up later in the show. Actually, at 730, we're going to talk about this all-important Cardinals and Reds series with Chris Welsh, who's the Reds TV analyst. But coming up next, it's Friday, so it's time for Peak and Pit. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service line, 65780. We want to hear your highs and lows from the week. That's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. 
right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Smallman, Smallman and Danny Mack. No character Man. today. <laughs> You're on 101 ESPN, and it's Friday. So let's go through the highs and lows of the week. It's time I like for- how you put your name first. That was good. It was sneaky. I didn't say Smallman and character. You said Smallman, Danny Mack, though. That was- it's Danny Mack and Smallman I mean, here on 101 alph- ESPN. If you're going to go alphabetically, you know, that's how you got to not offend people. I'm you know what? You're right. Even first name or last name. I'm just saying. You are. So for today, it's Danny Mack and <laughs> no, Smallman. No, it's not. It's Smallman, Danny Mack, no, no character. <laughs> it, well, today's just the day without Randy. So it's like like substitute teacher day here on 101 ESPN. It's called Minus Randy Day. (laughs) Okay, I love it. Well, Dan, it's time for Pete Kimpit. If you want to participate, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Highs and lows of the week. Dan, would you like to go first? Sure. I'll uh, I'll fire it up. So my peak, um, do you start with the peak or the pit? Whatever you want. I think my peak was this series against the Dodgers. Now, the Cardinals went two and two. That's fine. But my peak of this was seeing a 41-year-old Albert Pujols hit a home run. A 40-year-old Adam Wainwright go out and deal, eight and a third. A 39-year-old Yadier Molina hit a home run. And a 37-year-old St. Louis native Max Scherzer strike out 13. That was my peak. So if you're a baseball fan like me and just take out of the emotion of your team or who you're going for just to, like, enjoy the game, that's about as good as it gets. Guys that are Hall of Famers, um, some of them, and and they performed at a high level. Mm -hmm. So I love seeing that. Yeah, this series was, for Cardinals fans, ripe with storylines. It really was. It was great. And so my pit, though, is... uh, is this my final time seeing Albert Pujols? And that's the fan and me coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to think about it, whether or not I'd really want to see him every day in St. Louis. And if there's a fit, and I know some fans would say, absolutely bring him back for he can hit lefties or maybe it's the sentimentality of it. I'm not there yet. I'm I'm still thinking about it. But in terms of just in the moment, watching him run off the field, is that the final time I'm going to be calling an Albert Pujols game? And I've called thousands of them, probably. And definitely thousands of his at-bats and great moments and hit number 2,000 and home run number 400 and all those things. So for me, the emotional part of it was watching him, and I know Albert a little bit, obviously, and uh, if that was it, you know, that's my, my that was my pit because I have just so enjoyed watching that man play baseball. It's been great. It has been unbelievable, and I hope that's not it because I would love to see him get to 700. I want that for him so badly, and I think he could get there. Um, so I hope it's not the end. But if it was, I, I love that he hit a home run and that awesome. he, he got the ovations again. I wish more people were there for the ovations. But yeah. it's just it's whether it was when he came back with the Angels or the Dodgers, two really special series that we'll always remember. So he's 21 now away from uh, 700. I'll say he gets another home run or two. So let's say he'll come in in the teens away mm-hmm. next year. Boy, I don't know, man. If that was me, it'd be awfully enticing. Now, I'm not living in that body. I haven't had the wear and tear, and I don't know what other things are tugging at him. But just thinking about, man, I could hit 700 home runs. 700. And be in the most rarefied of airs. Yes. It'd be enticing. Have to think about it. And it's always interesting, too, Michelle, when guys, you know, the season ends and there's either the frustration of a personal season or the team or whatever. 
And usually it's like a week or two afterwards. And even if they're leaning one way, they kind of go, well, I don't know. I I feel a little bit better. You know, yeah. I got to sleep in and, you know, I'm hanging out with the family and I start working out again. I feel great. Yeah, I'm coming back. So you just don't know. It's what they say about women and having babies. The love makes you forget the pain. Yeah. And so you want to have more. I feel like with athletes, it's the same thing. Once they take some time away, their body gets restored. They forget the, the pain and the love of the game and their competitive side overtakes their brain and they forget about the pain and uh, just the grueling nature of the game and of the season. And I could totally see him wanting to come back. I think the pain came at uh, me. I think my wife just took it out on me. <laughs> and you're still recovering. We had four of them, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm we're still painful. God bless your wife. What <laughs> she is. She's a saint. Women that have had one children slash multiple children. I'm like, you guys are, are heroes. You're superheroes. All right, Dan, my peak and pit. Uh, my peak is that our guy Adam Wainwright announced that he's returning next season. Good one. He has been unbelievable for the Cardinals for the past year plus and just such an important part of this team and in so many regards, but from a strictly baseball standpoint, they need him next season. No and doubt. I think your Cardinals team is better with Adam Wayne right back. So great to hear him post that video with his intentions to return. And Dan, I think my pit this week is, and I, and I wonder if everyone else is feeling this way. It seems like everyone is so jam packed, busy. So many people are trying to get so many things in and booked and done before winter comes and it gets really cold and who knows what's going to happen in the winter or fall again. I just feel like there's not enough time in the day. Not enough time in the day. This past week, it just feels like I've been running from one thing to another, and there's not enough time in the day. Well, you had a four-day week. Maybe that's why I feel that way. Everything's been slammed into a few days. I'll take a a peak as a four-day week, though. Absolutely. No doubt. I think that's what we need to do. You know, the uh, government needs to step in and say, okay, we're going to become a society of uh, four-day weeks. <laughs> Sounds awesome to me. Uh, you got my vote on that one, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you I do. All right, well, let's head to the Air Comfort Service text line and get a few from you. Emily, what do you have? From the 314, Pitt totaled my car. Mm. Peak, won a few grand on a scratch-off after. Oh. Well, hopefully you had insurance. That'll take care of that. And, and hopefully then you get, you're okay. Yeah. Well, you that's totaled your car. Number one, yeah. yeah. Everybody's safe. But yeah, you you went a few bucks. Uh, you, you had to talk to my mom, who's uh, in her mid seventies and rolls over to a casino and pulls the. Uh, she loves doing that. She loves to gamble. Oh yeah. What is she slots girl? She slots. Yeah. I told her. I said, Mom, I hope you uh, when that day comes that you are um, no longer among the living. I hope you don't have a penny in your pocket. Go have fun. That's right. Go have fun. You raise your kids. You know, my dad's been gone for a long time. You got no responsibility. Just put it in the slots. This is the time for her to gamble. Absolutely. Go for it. Consequence free. I love that. Absolutely. From the 636 pit, paying bills, mm. Peak watch, was watching the dog we just adopted melting into his brand new bed after sleeping on the ground outside his entire life. Oh, that is so sweet. It's adorable. That, that, that is adorable. adorable. That is adorable. But Pitt is paying bills, I think, for everyone. I was thinking about this the other day. The only time, even if you retire, the only time the bills ever stop is when you die. Yeah, pretty you, much. You've got taxes. You've got credit cards. I, I mean, don't like taxes. Taxes are the tough one. Taxes are the pits. They when are the pits. you get pit. your check and you're like, what? Yeah. I thought I was making this. What? What happened? And... 
I, I always wish that you could see like an itemized receipt of where your tax money goes. So <laughs> Good I, luck. I know, but wouldn't that be great to be like, okay, fine. Well, that that pothole on Olive that plagues me every day, my money went towards that. I would feel better about that. I would too. Because, um, you know, you do get your your deal that says, okay, this went to FICA, this went to this, this went to that, 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 and I go, really? I want an itemized receipt. Yeah. I want to know where it's going. And listen, taxes are what they are. But that's one thing that was so shocking to me about becoming an adult is because you know about taxes. But until you experience being exhausted and working all the time and then getting your check and being like, man, what? Yeah, this sucks. This sucks. It totally sucks. I hate it. From the 636 peak, seeing Albert one more time. Yes. Pitt, seeing Albert for the last time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's my pit. I, uh, I'm i with you, he or she out there. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it just, it, it did it in 2019 for me, and I am not an overly emotional guy when it comes to seeing a player or whatever. It got me with Albert, and I think it's going to get me next year with Yachty and Wayno. Oh, yeah. For me, it's it's a personal thing. I've covered them their entire careers, traveled and done their games, and... I, I can't explain it. I, I just have never really gotten like as a fan. I got way, that way with Ozzy. He was my guy. Loved him. Um, but I've never gotten like that with other players. I got it again yesterday watching Albert Pujols. I can't explain it. Well, you think about those moments that he provided us. And then you think about what you felt at that time. But you also think likely about who you were with, whether you were with your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter or your friends. And that joy that they brought us and the excitement. And all of the hope that we've poured into them. It's an emotional thing. It's really emotional. And for me, I guess, in a weird way, I mean, I started calling Cardinals games in the late 90s. So saw him when he first came up, saw him in that spring training, saw him all the way through. And, um, you know, it, it just like I was there for all of it. And when you see a guy when it's finally the end. I don't know. Maybe it's a reflection of yourself, too, of like getting older. Think, you know what I mean? It's just it, I when I think of Albert Pujols, and it really hit me when he came through the last time, I, because we don't see him in person, mm-hmm. you know, I think about the guy that I saw. And this is not the guy that I covered. This is a different player. This is a different man. Different looking guy, too. Different body. Um, but still, man, just the player. I, you would never, at least for me, I'd be shocked. And maybe it's Jordan Walker, which would be awesome. We're never going to see a guy like that again. No, but people thought we'd never see a guy like Stan Musial again. That's right. You know, and then we get Albert Pujols. So you never really know. But the game is just it's different in so many ways that just the longevity, the the consistent greatness and the the length of it. It we were so lucky. And to think that we had Adam Wainwright at that same time and Chris Carpenter and Yadier Molina, Tony La Russa, Dave Duncan. I, I mean, there's so many guys that we were so lucky to see during that time. And I don't know. I just I think for Cardinals fans, they they think about that. And there's they're kind of the glory days, right? Albert represents to yeah. them the glory days. And I watch Yadi now and I'm, I'm going to feel this way watching him next year. And I say it all the time. And I think sometimes fans, you know, like, come on, Dan, quit being so sappy. But I mean this. You're never going to see that again behind no. the plate Mm-mm. for that amount of time. And the fact that he's still really good defensively. Now, there's been a drop off a little bit. Don't get me wrong, but he's still really good. And I watch other teams with like guys that are their guys that are in the prime of their careers. And I'm still watching Yachty and I'm like, 
man, have we taken this? I have. I've taken it for granted just how great he has been. And he has been great. And he still is very, very good. Absolutely. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle. It's Danny Mac and Smallman here on this Friday on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals opening up a three-game set versus the Reds tonight at 7.15. We are going to talk to Chris Welsh. He's the Reds TV analyst and break down that series coming up next. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is Danny Mac and Smallman. Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy Carricker is off today. As you just heard Emily Butcher say, the Cardinals open an all-important three-game set versus the Reds tonight. First pitch is at 7.15. But let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. We're going to talk about that series with Reds TV analyst Chris Welsh, who joins us. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good morning to you. How's St. Louis this morning? Oh, I got to tell you, Chris, it's golfing weather. Uh, I wish you were here. We'd be out golfing, but we're, well, we're not traveling. So that's okay. Uh, How you doing, buddy? It's always good to hear your voice, and thanks for hopping on. And uh, you know what? This is going to be an awesome series. I'm looking forward to it where, you know, the Reds have stumbled a little bit. Obviously, the Cardinals have been hovering a little bit above 500, but it sets up for what should be a lot of fun this weekend in terms of what the wild card uh, presents for these two teams. Well, I think it really gives the fans what they want at the end of the year, which is their teams playing meaningful games. You know, the Reds, unfortunately, are kind of limping into this series. They've lost five series in a row, and not necessarily to teams that are really statistically all that good. So, you know, you never want to keep looking in the rearview mirror, but that's what the Reds are doing right now. And unfortunately for them, you know, the St. Louis seems like this monster that has arisen every year. Uh, they're having a, an off year this year. The Reds are having a good year, and they're still right behind them. So it's one of these things that the, the Reds aren't too comfortable right now. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned the Reds limping into this series, but I was looking at this during the break uh, versus the the Marlins and obviously the Cardinals, the Tigers, the Cubs. I believe they're four, they've won four out of their last 12. So when you look at contributing factors to their skid, their uh, recent skid a little bit here, what can you tell us about what's been going on with the Reds? Well, you know what I think is that good pitching stops good hitting, and the Reds have good hitting. Uh, but when you run into a pitcher that is hitting his spots and making his pitches and getting some breaks, maybe either from the umpire or from good defense behind him, you know, then all of a sudden you have a low-run scoring game, and that doesn't really play into it very well. The other thing for the Reds is that they have struggled against left-handed pitching, and that's no that's no secret. Uh, most of their good players are – offensively are left-handed and uh, so it puts the, the onus on those right-handers that are in the lineup like Eugenio Suarez off here, Castellanos great year, uh, Farmer okay year and so on uh, It's those guys have to step up and so far they have not been able to step up like the lefties do against right-handers. Chris Welsh is our guest, the analyst of Reds Baseball, a former Major League pitcher, and he also runs a website, Baseball Rules Academy. You can see this at BaseballRulesAcademy.com. And I bring that up because, Chris, your, your website is fabulous, and if you're a softball player, baseball player, make sure you go to it. You're in umpiring, whatever, because you have Major League umpires that are a part of this as well. And 
I bring it up because Castellanos in the last uh, series, and I wonder if there's you know some type of uh, bleeding over into this series about what took place last time, which was maybe the gamesmanship of Mike Schilt, but Castellanos using a chip bat and then hitting the grand slam. And I immediately went to your site and I started looking at the rules and seeing if it was anything like this. I also started thinking about George Brett. I was ready for Castellanos to come out and start doing his best George Brett against uh, Tim McClellan, if that was the case. But I I thought he was going to go ballistic if they took the bat away. My question is, and I'm going through all these different things, but what did you think of that? And what, what did they say from the Reds' perspective after that series when that took place? I think that Tony La Russa left some notes in the manager's office there for his successors. Uh, and because that was such a Tony La Russa move by Mike Schilt. I, loved I loved it. it. You know, as, as, a, as a, a lover of baseball, I just love the way he waited until something happened. Well, I complain about a chip bat or a spot on a pitcher's hat or when you suspect him a pine tar until something happens where you can undo the play. And that's what he was waiting for. Uh, as it turns out, it, it was not an, an illegal bat. An illegal bat nowadays is is one where you have cork in it or super balls or something like that uh, that makes the ball go farther off the bat. Uh, so him using a chip bat, like, you know, it's his favorite bat. A lot of guys have one, you know, until they break it, they're going to use it. And uh, we had seen that on TV. We've used about used it before. Uh, I didn't even think of it when he hit the home run, but Schilt wasted no time. Didn't need to get out of the dugout. I thought it was a brilliant move by Schilt. It was a good try. I mean, hey, <laughs> when a guy hits a home run against you, you're going to a grand slam. You're going to try to do anything you can to undo it. And uh, it just didn't work that time. But it was, it was I thought it was a great move. So a, a couple of things about that. So in looking at the rules of that, I thought it had to be like a flat surface or at least smooth. I should say f- uh, smooth surface around the bat. And that had a good like half inch to an inch, like a chunk at the very end. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about does it change the um, dimensions of the bat, the weight, the length, that kind of thing, if there was a rule with that. And then thirdly, what did like David Bell and Castellanos and those guys say about that when that happened? Because they didn't look none too happy uh, in the dugout when that was going on. Well, you know, it's an important ball game, and here you have a grand slam home run hit on a hit to your benefit, and now it has a chance of being undone. So, you know, you're always going to get a little bit nervous there. But I, I think the rule basically says that the bat has that you're using in a big league game has to be as it came from the manufacturer. It can't be altered. You can't take a, a little knife and groove the, the, the grooves in between and make it flatter. Uh, you can't hammer it down and make it harder. You can't do something to it uh, that's going to make the ball go farther. And this was a chip that happened um, in, during play, not in that game, but a previous game. And he just happened to like that. Bat. I don't think it had any advantage at all. But uh, um, it was interesting. It certainly put people to the rule book. In fact, even the umpires didn't know the rule on that. They had to go to New York to get a rules check on that. And that's where they found out that uh, it's a, if it's a, a safety issue, and that's what they thought it was, and you have to remove the bat. In the meantime, by the way, Cassianos had given that bat to a fan in the stand, right. probably hoping that the fan would run out the back door and no one would ever be able to find the bat for investigation. So as it turned out, he got the bat back. He was the one that ran out with the bat. You know, go ahead and check it. But I was kind of waiting for George Brett, uh, you know, impersonation too, because anytime I feel depressed, I can watch that George Brett video and say, hey, uh, what's bothering me can't be half as bad as what's bothering Brett. <laughs> Agreed. 
All right, we have Chris Welsh joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Reds TV analyst. We're talking Reds and Cardinals here on 101 ESPN. And we talked about this off the top, the Reds and Cardinals both in the hunt for that second wild card spot. And Chris, Jesse Winker, Reds fans have been waiting for his return. He felt a little something uh, earlier this week. We got that news, I believe, on Tuesday that his return is going to be delayed. Do you think that this is a matter of several days or are you anticipating him being out a little bit longer? Because he hasn't played since, I believe, August 15th. Yeah, I wouldn't count on Jesse Winker, unfortunately. And this is what happens in a game of baseball. And, you know, you lose your player. You hope it's not one of your main guys. You hope that the other guys can step up. I really don't think that uh, Winker is going to be much of a factor from here on out, uh, unfortunately. Even if he comes back, think of the timing that you you miss when you miss as much time. More than a month uh, is what he will have. And uh, does he do any rehab? Um, so I think that if he comes back and if he hits well, that's great. Uh, but I don't think that anybody on that ball club is depending on Winker to come in uh, riding like the Cavalry. So you got Malley tonight, Castillo, and Sonny Gray. Those are the uh, three pitchers lined up for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. John Lester, Michaelis, and Hap. So as you mentioned, Reds have had their issues with the lefties. Let's start with the pitching that's lined up from the Reds' perspective this weekend and Tyler Malley tonight. How do you feel uh, about those guys going into this series? I think that those are the three best pitchers that you could probably pitch against the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I think, are still very right-handed. I mean, their big production guys are all right-handed, so you want to throw right-handers that can get those guys out. Uh, and I, I think that that's what you have with Castillo and Gray, especially. Uh, Malley's got reverse split, meaning he gets left-handers out better than he gets right-handers out, mainly because of his split-finger change-up. But, you know, they know how important the series is. Uh, these guys have been around a little bit. They're not rookies on the mound. Uh, nobody's a rookie that's pitching in this series. All six pitchers are veterans, so it'll be very interesting. The Reds are hoping, though, that you know John Lester doesn't have the kind of game he does time. He was hitting his first time. See Lester being any better than he was, but he's always given the Reds problems, and it ought to be a good game. Well, it is going to be a good game. We're looking forward to it. Cardinals and Reds first pitch at 7.15 tonight. Chris Welsh, Reds TV analyst. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at ThinkPitch. And as Dan mentioned, check out his website, BaseballRulesAcademy.com. Chris, thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate it, and hopefully we talk to you again soon. Well, thank you very much, and uh, let's have a fun weekend, guys, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, buddy, for hopping on. Appreciate it. All right. Take care now. You got it. All right, that was Chris Welsh talking about the Reds and the Cardinals. We also have another big event in town this weekend. The Ascension Charity Classic is teeing off. We talked about that a lot on the show. We're really looking forward to it. And we are going to talk to PGA golfer Colin Montgomery. He's coming up next on Danny Mac and Smallman. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy Carricker is out today. He's playing golf. And speaking of golf, the Ascension Charity Classic tees off today. We've been talking about this for months leading up to this tournament. We're so excited to have it here in St. Louis. And speaking of that, let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and speak to PGA golfer Colin Montgomery, who's joining us now. Good morning, Colin. How are you today? Well, I'm very well. Thank you for having me on your show and uh, delighted to be here in St. Louis. Well, I got to tell you, you've got the uh, the greatest accent we've ever had on this <laughs> yes. station. It's awesome. You, if you just want to talk, you can just keep talking. It's all good. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm, I apologize for my accent, but it's uh, 
it's more Queen's English than nothing else. So, so we're, we're very proud of that. It's awesome. <laughs> Well, Colin, we're so excited about the Ascension Charity Classic. We're excited to have you be a part of it this weekend. What are your expectations heading into this weekend? What have you heard about St. Louis and about what to expect from this tournament? Mm. Well, firstly, it was such a shame that we had to postpone uh, last year's event. You know, it, this this is a new event on our tour, on the Champions Tour, and it's great to, to come to new cities. Uh, uh, it was a while since I've, I've been here uh, I think it was almost 20 years ago when when uh, we were playing at Bell Reeve and it was postponed uh, for obvious reasons tomorrow. Uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, fantastic to be back here and uh, fantastic that the Ascension Charity Classic is going ahead this year. And uh, I played the course yesterday in the Pro-Am and uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And, and everyone seems up about it and uh, delighted that uh, the weather's good as well and and uh, we'll look forward to the three days of competition coming up well we saw that the uh, the pga came through uh, at bell reeve and we had that in 92 and obviously as you mentioned uh, the bmw mm-hmm. was canceled because of 9-11 uh, horrifically yes. nearly 20 years ago so uh, mm-hmm. the, the one that we just had though coming off the pga championship um, the pga tour was just floored at the amount of people that came out to watch that now it helped that Tiger was in the hunt, obviously, but it's a major championship. And by uh, what I'm t- hearing from those that were there yesterday is mm-hmm. that the Ascension Charity Classic has been floored and the players by the amount of people that even came out mm-hmm. to the Pro-Am and expecting huge amounts of people uh, to, to follow you guys. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that and in terms of just the crowds that you've already seen and the anticipation of professional golf back here in St. Louis. Well, it was amazing. I had to queue up. Uh, uh, you call it a line, I suppose, here in America. We call it a queue. And uh, <laughs> we we queued up uh, even to get into the parking lot for the Pro-Am. So that, that's different for a start. Uh, yes, there's a lot of people around. Uh, all the volunteers, thank you for all their help as well, uh, uh, you know, to make this uh, event what it is. And uh, they were excited. Uh, the fans were excited. Lots of autographs being being uh, being asked for from all the players so it is a very exciting time and and let's hope this tournament can uh, can grow into something extremely special on our champions tour yeah Colin Montgomery joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're talking about the Ascension Charity Classic that's going to tee off this morning here in St. Louis. And Colin, you mentioned you were out there yesterday at Norwood Hills. That's where the Mm -hmm. Ascension Charity Classic is going to be. Give us a scouting report on the course. What did you see at Norwood Hills and how are you going to successfully navigate this course this weekend? Well, it's quite tight. Uh, It's a classic uh, uh, country club style course, very tight off the tee, but... uh, it's uh, it's the greens that are going to determine the winner or not. It's not just hitting the green. Uh, I hate to say for amateurs that are going to play the course, but it's not just hitting the green. It's actually whereabouts on the green you hit it. Uh, there's a lot of slopes on these greens, uh, probably the slopiest greens that we play on on tour all year. And it's just what quarter or what quadrant you actually hit uh, the ball onto. Uh, so it's not just hitting the green, it's hitting what quarter of the green you hit. So it's it's very precise for the second shots. Uh, You've you got to get the distance right with the second shots. That's what this course is all about. Uh, so it's going to be quite precise, quite difficult. I think the scoring won't be as low as people think it's going to be, despite the weather being perfect. It's just a matter of getting that distance on the second shots right. 
you know, it, it's I, I loved watching you play in international competition, and in particular the Ryder Cup. And you're one of the greatest mm-hmm. players that ever has uh, participated in that event. You did it multiple times. You never lost a singles match. What was it like for you, and why were you able to rise to the occasion when the chips were on the line and have so much success in that international competition? Oh well, thank you for that. I just um, I'm very proud of of that record. You know, you go out eight times in the singles and you put yourself up for a for a fall, don't you? You know, and uh, you just pray that when the draw comes out, you, you know, you're not opposite Tiger Woods. And I was lucky that, <laughs> that, I, didn't, that I didn't actually have to play him, which was a which was a real bonus. Uh, but no, you, you know, you. Uh, I was just playing for other people, and that's what the Ryder Cup's all about. And that's what we don't do. You know, uh, we play for ourselves, and uh, if we let ourselves down and our family, well, okay, fine. You know, we, we move on to the next event, but. The Ryder Cup is very different because you're you're playing for your 11 other teammates and your captain and your country and your continent and and it's uh, it's you know you just can't can't let anybody down so you you focus uh, like you never do before and uh, I just managed to focus quite well and and obviously was fortunate that my opponents probably didn't play to their ability. Uh, and and at the same time, I I managed to. It was one of these things, and uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I and I'm a, a great believer if if you do enjoy something, you're usually quite good at it. You know, uh, for those going to work this morning, uh, if they're looking forward to to work today and it and enjoying the travel in or whatever, you know, they're going to have a better day at work than those who aren't looking forward to it. And I, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm a great believer in that. And, of course, the Ryder Cup is very much like that. If you enjoy it, usually quite good at it. And I did enjoy it, yeah. That's the absolute truth, Colin. Well, the Ryder Cup is coming up later this month. I was reading this morning that Patrick Harrington was saying, saying that he is trying to mirror the job that you did. He thought you did a brilliant job when he uh, assumes the captaincy. What does it mean to you to hear him say that, that he's going to model the way he's going to approach this after what you did? Oh dear. Well, I think we're in big trouble then, don't you? If he's going to, if he's going to, if he's thinking about mirroring what I did, I captained him in 2010 and was a and was a, a privilege to do so. He's a real character, and we played a number of uh, uh, times. Uh, we played against famously against uh, Woods and Mickelson uh, uh, in 2004, the first game off in the 2004 Ryder Cup at Oakland Hills, and in Michigan and, and uh, I managed to win that one and, and it was uh, great to play alongside him and obviously I wish him every success it's going to be very difficult uh, for him uh, you know we're not really allowed any European support the Europeans can't come to America without special visa waivers uh, so it's going to be a 99% American crowd uh, and if they come down from that is it Green Bay Packers or something you call them if they come down from there with their cheese heads on or whatever it's going to be very loud I can assure you so, uh, so we're going to be we're going to be underdogs we usually are uh, but it's amazing how we've done as underdogs you know uh, we tend to have a good time and I think Harrington's uh, trying to use the captains that he's played under their uh, their advice and their knowledge as to having a good time in the team room, you know, having a bit of a laugh and uh, going out and enjoying it. And, and, and that's all we can do. And, and let's hope that the Europeans uh, say this in an American station here, but let's hope the, the Europeans can put up a great show. But, but uh, looking at the American team, it's awfully strong. 
and uh, they're going up there what this week again for two days practice with the caddies. So they're really they really want it back, you know. And uh, I don't blame them. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be difficult. You know, the last three Ryder Cups have been won by the home team. And this is a home team advantage for America. So uh, I feel it's going to be tough, but I'm honored that he's taking anything that I told him, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome, having the chance to visit with one of the great golfers ever in Colin Montgomery. And uh, I'm a spokesman for I Promise. I know you are as well. I actually took yes. my vitamins this morning, but I, I'm curious. It's really mm-hmm. helped me and my family. And uh, I've got little mm-hmm. kids and they take it. I, I'm curious for you mm. how it's helped in uh, professional sports in the game of golf. Amazing, isn't it? Any sport, your eyes are most important, aren't they? I mean, you know, I, I know you're connected with a baseball in a huge way. I mean, my God, you know that thing's coming at you at ninety odd miles an hour. You got to see the damn thing to hit it, and uh, and uh, it's a bit like it's a bit like uh, it's a bit like myself in the golf that uh, you know has that has that ball carried that bunker? And I speak to my caddy who's who's got contacts in. I realised the other day he's only got one contact in, so. I'm a bit worried about him altogether, uh, but he's he's he says no, it hasn't carried. And now I'm now I'm beginning to to see it. You know, I to uh, had a test yesterday. Uh, I promise her down at the uh, at the Ascension Charity Classic. I have a booth there, and you, and you can have a test on your eyes. And I was. <sighs> Forgive me for, for getting technical, but point three eight, and now I'm point four five or something, which which means, in technical terms, about a fifteen percent increase in in my eyes since I've been taking the supplements in the morning. Now, at fifty eight years old, uh, to have a fifteen percent increase in your eyesight is amazing, and uh, I would recommend this to anybody. And I'm glad that you and your family. Are taking these, and I'm sure a number of others should as well. It's uh, it's amazing, you know, to to not to have to to have these these operations or 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 or, or contact lenses or even glasses. Uh, it's amazing you can do this naturally now. Well, he's Colin Montgomery, World Golf Hall of Famer, joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. If you're going out to Norwood Hills for the Ascension Charity Classic, you're going to see an unbelievable field this weekend, including Colin Montgomery. And Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really enjoyed the conversation. And have fun and good luck this weekend. Well, uh, good luck to you. Uh, Good luck to all the competitors at uh, the Ascension. And and I have to say, I'll I'll be... be I'll be vilified here, but good luck to your Ryder Cup team as well in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, boy. Well, I can't you believe you said that. I know. Wow. What a gentleman. And, we got to clip that off and put it all over the place. <laughs> that Thank was you awesome. very much. Thank hey, you, that Colin. was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. You got it. That's Colin Montgomery. The great Colin Montgomery, World Golf Hall of Famer. So great to talk to him, Dan. Oh, that was awesome. So excited about the Ascension Charity Classic teeing off this morning. Jay Delsing teeing off this morning. What a great honor that is, too. I mean, to think that Jay Delsing went from a guy that grew up in North County and uh, grew up carrying the bags. He was a caddy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the emotions and what's going through his mind today, it must be just incredible, you know, to be standing on that first tee and thinking, man, they're the ones that asked me to tee this thing off and to really represent St. Louis along with Jay Williamson. Um, and to think that, you know, he probably he stood on that tee a thousand times carrying somebody's bag and right. now he's the guy. 
That's pretty awesome. It is. And isn't that one of the reasons we love sports? It stories is. like Jay's. It's great. It's I love unbelievable. it. unbelievable. But again, the Ascension Charity Classic teeing off today out at Norwood Hills is going to be a really special event here in St. Louis. And I saw some photos yesterday. Dan, you mentioned it with Colin Montgomery. So many people already out there. I yeah. have no, no doubt that St. Louis is going to show up. We, we love big sporting events, but especially golf. Talking with Al McKinnis the other day, I think he was out there playing with Mike Weir in the Pro-Am. And um, he said, yeah, I'm going back out there. He said, it just was awesome to be there and to see all the players and all the people that it's supported. Um, and the number one thing is, is that the Ascension folks, Nick Ragone, who we're going to visit with and Steve Spratt, they're raising a ton of money um, for charity in North County. It's It was something like six, seven hundred thousand dollars last year when they didn't yes. even have the event. So that was like the first time in golf where and golf is a huge charitable sport. Mm-hmm. There's a big arm of charity from the PGA and from the Champions Tour. And the event gets canceled and they're still able to write those checks, which is great to make the community a better place. Pretty it cool. is. Absolutely. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. It is Danny Mack and Smallman. And for Randy Carricker today here on 101 ESPN. But coming up, the Cardinals split the series with the Dodgers after a 2-1 victory yesterday. We're going to break it down next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack and Smallman here on this Friday morning on 101 ESPN. Randy Carricker is out. He's playing golf. And before we mm. jump into the breakdown of the Cardinals' 2-1 to victory over the Dodgers yesterday, they split that series. We have a little bit of housekeeping to get to. If you want to compete against Danny Mack in the fight today, 65780, text us right now on the Air Comfort Service text line with the word fight. And Dan will probably beat you because he's very smart and knows a lot about sports and sports trivia. But here's the thing, Dan. If you win, I don't think you're going to celebrate. Nope. I don't think you're going to drop an Al Davis just win, baby. I will not do that. No victory dance like Randy. No kissing the sky. No. So No, 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 no. I don't, even if you lose to Dan, you're not going to have to deal with the celebration today. But if you want to challenge Dan, please text us right now. Also, we're going to give away some tickets today. Some great tickets to Chris Stapleton. So it's next Thursday night, September 16th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. The tickets are on sale right now. If you don't win the contest that we're going to do today, we're going to tell you about it here in a second. You can get a bonus chance to win free tickets for Chris Stapleton. All you have to do is head to 101ESPN.com, and it's right there on your 101 mobile app. So we've been doing this all week. It's the phrase that pays. So we're going to give you one word this hour, and you're going to have to listen for the rest of the show. We're going to give you the second word in the 9 o'clock hour. You're going to hear this sounder. And then the word. So, Dan, our first word in the phrase that pays to win Chris Stapleton tickets is... Broken halos. Well, that you just gave the whole phrase. (laughs) Uh, Broken, then halos. Broken halos. Okay. You, you come up with broken halos, you're in. We will give you another word in the night. I wasn't paying night. attention to you, Michelle. That's I got to okay. be honest. That's okay. We'll you guys get... told me to t- get a song, so I got a song. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're go- and we're... you were doing the whole thing, and then I didn't, wasn't in the circle of trust. It's, it's, you're always in the circle of trust, Dan. Audible. We're going to do an audible. What we're going to do is instead of a phrase that pays, we're going <laughs> to give totally you. I totally ruined it for you. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Oh. We're going to give two Chris Stapleton songs, one this hour, one next hour, and you're going to have to text in both. To get the ticket. So the first song, the first, as Randy calls him, Stapes, mm-hmm. the first Stapes song, Dan, is... Broken Halos? It's Broken Halos. <laughs> yes. 
But we're going to give you another one in the 9 o'clock hour. You need to give us both in order to win the Chris Stapleton tickets. Can and I a- tell you where I get distracted? You said you have a chance to take on Dan in the fight. And I was like, man, this is a lot of pressure. And then I look over the text line and there's all these people going, fight, fight. I'm like, man, I'm not well liked. One bit. These people want to kill me. No, I think it's the opportunity to compete with slash against you, Dan. I, I don't know. A lot of people just want to talk to you, I think. Jeez. Bragging rights to their buddies. If they're going to the game tonight, they're going to be like, man, I, I lost to Danny Mac in the fight today. I'm Danny Mac and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It was oh. such a joy I, to I lose to Dan. Man, I just I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I screwed up your whole intro and everything. You did it beautifully. It's okay. It's good because we pivoted and people are really going to have to pay attention now to get okay. those Chris Tableton tickets. And it's Broken Halos, right? Is the first one, correct. Okay. All right, Dan. Well, the Cardinals split the series with the Dodgers. Two to one was the victory yesterday. And there was a lot to get into from the series, from this game. We talked about Tyler O'Neill and his contributions earlier in the show, but we haven't talked a lot about the bullpen, and Mike Schilt really doing a great job utilizing the bullpen yesterday. Alex Reyes came in in the top of the fifth. He pitched two innings, one hit, two strikeouts in that effort, and he talked after the game about if he had a different approach preparing for this outing as opposed to being a closer. Um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a different approach to preparing for the outing. At the end of the day, you know, I, I feel like I've when I was younger, I was able to go out there and continuously, you know, use all my stuff, not having a, to back back down any any bit. Um, so for me, multiple innings is it's the same as going out there and executing pitch by pitch and going hitter by hitter. Well, I think you know what I was thinking this the other day. If you weren't going to start Jake Woodford, would you start Alex Reyes and make it a bullpen game? Yeah, with Woodford to follow, and you're going to have Dakota Hudson in the at some point here in the next few weeks. That and he was up to like 45, 50 pitches the other day, Michelle. I thought. Well, maybe do you piggyback him with Alex and then try to get through four or five innings? And we're, what the point being that we're trending towards Alex Reyes being a starter next year. Right. But um, how they used him yesterday is probably the way that you're going to see it the rest of the way. I would assume that his time as the closer is over for the 2021 season, unless you're just kind of backed into a corner and you've had one of those crazy games and he's the guy out there and you're asking him to get the final outs but I did like how they did that and so he was able to do that give you the two innings and then TJ McFarland Luis Garcia McFarland went an inning a third Garcia five pitches two thirds of an inning and then Giovanni Gallegos picked up the save boy the Cardinals would not be in this spot without TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia. Absolutely. I mean, they have been awesome. And I think when they first got McFarland, it was more about this is a multi-inning kind of guy. Let's let's have him go a couple of innings and he throws strikes and it'll keep the game close or wherever you're at in the ballgame. But his role changed, especially when Ryan Helsley got hurt, because that was your guy you'd bring in with runners runners on, and he was doing a great job with inherited runners and getting out of it. Well, McFarland, his sinker's working, he's getting ground balls, and so we were seeing him, you know, with those brief appearances. So I, I think things have changed now to where McFarland Garcia have moved up in the important Important slatter, and you're going to see him in more higher leverage situations. And the bullpen uh, was a story. And it, one of the things about with all the big names the Dodgers have, and they've got great names, four Cy Young Award winners, four MVPs. Uh, they're not hitting right now, right? And the Cardinals got them at the right time when they weren't clicking offensively. And that's due in part, though, to the very good pitching of the bullpen yesterday. Cardinals split that series with the Dodgers. They remain three games back in the wild card standings. I'm looking right now. The Reds. 
Reds one game back, and the Cardinals open a three-game set versus the Reds tonight. And Dan, a good opportunity for them to make up some ground. This is it. I mean, this is what you want: meaningful games in September. You come to the ballpark or watch the game on television tonight and realize that you have a chance when this weekend is through to pass up the Reds. This is what you want. Your three games out makes it fun. Uh, the Cardinals after this weekend will go to New York for a three-game set, and then San Diego this time next week and open up another homestand. And by that time, it's almost done because after that, you finish up with Milwaukee and, and the Cubs, both on the road and at home. So it's coming down the stretch here. But, hey, meaningful games in which you can catch those that are in front of you, and this is all you can ask for. That's right. They're playing the Padres and the Reds, the two teams sitting in front of them right now in the standings. So looking forward to that three-game set tonight and looking forward to the fight next here on 101 ESPN. Ooh. Danny Mack is going to assume the role of Megamind. We're going to have one listener challenge Danny Mack in the fight that's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN on this Friday. It is 821. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have an early edition of the fight today because coming up at 830, we're going to speak to Nick Ragone of the Ascension Charity Classic, which tees off this morning out at Norwood. We are so thrilled to have this event here in St. Louis, and we're going to talk to Nick about that coming up next segment. But now let's get into the fight. Randy is out. Megamind is out today. He is actually golfing as well. So Danny Mack is going to assume the Megamind role today. The last time we did the fight when Randy was out, I got all four correct. And so I have retired. I pulled a Peyton Manning going out on top. You know, why stay? <laughs> why stay and lose? So anyway, Michael is going to challenge Danny Mack today in the fight. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great today. Thank you for asking. Are you excited to take on Danny Mac, or do you wish you were taking on Randy? Uh, probably. Mm, I'm excited to take on Danny Mac. I'm not super confident, though. Okay. Well, you should have some confidence. At least I know I won't be the only one to get zero right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was going to say, you should have some confidence because even though Dan knows a ton about all sports, we know that he is a Cardinals historian and we only have one Cardinals question today. So I like your chances, Michael. Well, that kind of bums me out. I was hoping for more Cardinals oh, questions. Yeah. That's, that's probably what I know more of. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, hopefully you know a little bit about a lot. Oh, yes. Okay. Well. The, the fourth one is a little bit Cardinals, but mostly general baseball. All right, well, let's jump into it, Michael. You'll find out soon enough. Question number one, Good. happy birthday to PGA Tour legend Arnold Palmer, also a great beverage. At which, which PGA tournament did the King have the most wins? Was it the Masters, the U.S. Open, or the Open Championship? Um, let's go with the U.S. Open. Happy birthday to seven-time All-Star and three-time World Series champion Roger Maris. Maris ended his career playing two seasons with the Cardinals, but started his career with which team? The New York Yankees, the Kansas City Athletics, or the Cleveland Indians? Um, we'll go with the Athletics. 
Question number three. Tom Brady started his 300th career regular season game last night, which is the most in NFL history. Who has started the second most? Is it Bruce Matthews, Brett Favre, or Drew Brees? Uh, Drew Brees. And which former Cardinal started the first post-9-11 game in New York City for the Atlanta Braves against the Mets on September 21st, 2001? Is it Darren Holmes, John Smoltz, or Jason Marquis? Um, this is a big shot in the dark. We'll just go Schmoltz. All right. We're checking our score here for Michael. Danny Mack is out in the hall in the cone of silence. Let's wave him in. Um, Michael, since Dan is assuming the Randy role, I'm going to assume the Danny Mack role and ask you what you do for a living. Um, I actually own and operate a lawn and landscape business. Oh, very cool. Is that right? What's the name of it? <laughs> Dan is here. <laughs> it's, it's Greenworks Outdoor Solutions. Is that right? Uh, it all, sounds all the like way down in Festus, Missouri. Well, it sounds like you need some advertising to make sure and get the word out. You just let us know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would appreciate that. Okay. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, people put better trust in my work than they do in my fighting ability. <laughs> well, let's see what you got. <laughs> all right, Dan. Who's this? What's in the, the uh, name, sir? This is Michael. Hey, Michael. Hey, Danny. Thanks for playing. Hey, Thanks Dan. for. Thanks. Well, I'm going to do Randy. Uh, thanks for playing. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Sorry. It's an, honor. Well, it's an honor to have you on. Let's do it. All right, Dan. Question number one. Happy birthday to PGA Tour legend Arnold Palmer. At which PGA tournament did the King have the most wins? Was it the Masters, the U.S. Open, or the Open Championship? We're talking about his wins, right? Co- correct. Okay. The King, as in Arnold Palmer, not Elvis. Right. I emceed... Um, a deal with Jack Nicholas, and I remember looking this up. I think Nicholas won six Masters, so, and then it was ahead of Palmer, and Palmer, I think the tournament he won the most was indeed the Green Jacket and the Masters. That'd be my guess. Happy birthday to seven time All Star and three time World Series champion Roger Maris. Maris ended his career playing two seasons with the Cardinals 67 but- and 68. That is correct. But but started his career with which team? The New York Yankees, the Kansas City Athletics, or the Cleveland Indians? Uh, he played for all those teams. Traded from, he went from the A's to the Yankees to the Cardinals, so I'll go Indians. All right. Question number three. Tom Brady started his 300th career regular season game last night, which is Uh, you had to do an NFL question. Here we go. This is Emily, which is the most in NFL history. Who has started the second most at QB? No, just in general. Just in general. Okay. Because there's some linemen that that did a lot. Okay. Sorry. I am interrupting. Go ahead. That's okay. I just want to give you the options. All right, then. Was it Bruce Matthews? Was it Brett Favre? Or was it Drew Brees? I don't think Breeze got to Favre. I'll go Favre. And which former Cardinal started the first post-9-11 game in New York City for the Atlanta Braves against the Mets? Jason Marquis. Ooh, Danny Mack didn't even It's one of my favorite games I've ever seen in my life. It's unbelievable. And we're going to talk about that actually coming up at night. Long Island native Jason Marquis. I feel solid on that one. Okay. Well, was he solid on the rest of them? Emily, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. 
I'm sorry, Michael. Danny Mack was in the zone today. He got four correct. He beat you four to zero. Danny Mack was yep, just well, on fire today. Well, yeah, thank you. Four. <laughs> you did. You did. Uh, and we enjoyed having you. So, Arnold Palmer, which PGA tournament did he have the most wins? It was the Masters, which is four, as Dan said, 1958, 1960, 1962, and 1964. Roger Maris ended his career playing two seasons with the Cardinals, but he started his career with the Cleveland Indians, 1958 to 1957. Tom Brady starting his 300th career regular season game last night, the most in NFL history, second on that list, as Dan guessed correctly. Drew Brees did not get to Brett Favre. Brett Favre is right behind Tom Brady with 298. Drew. I got lucky on that one. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, Bruce Matthews actually below Brett Favre. Remember Bruce Matthews. 293. Yeah. Drew Brees at 286. Still okay. an unbelievable number from Drew I would have gone with even Bruce Matthews. But I just took a guess because of Favre played forever and I just thought he never missed a start. So that's, right. that's the guy. Great guess. And then the former Cardinal that started the first post 9-11 game in New York City, that game, the Braves versus the Mets was in fact Jason Marquis. Michael, thank you for listening. Thanks for playing and we hope you have an awesome weekend. Thanks. You too. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it. Um, so that is done with the fight. Congratulations, not, Dan. You killed it. Uh, well, I'm not here to rub it in like Randy. I you know, respect the listeners Did you greatly. See, I paused there because it's just inherent in me yeah. to wait for Randy to celebrate for well, the sounder to go. I just I forgot that it was you, Dan, and I was waiting for Al Davis to chime in there. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> now, the six three six does bring up an interesting question. Why okay. does Danny Mac get the options? Look, I'm not Randy, okay? Randy's a freak of nature. He is. And I mean that in the the most uh, lovely terms to describe Randy when it comes to sports trivia. It's I a would compliment. not have gotten that. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten some of that stuff without the options. I'm I'm here to admit it. Randy, you could ask him what, on August twelfth in, yeah. in nineteen ninety two, the Cardinals played the Reds, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, so and so started that game." I well, remember. <laughs> and he does like you. You listen to him, and he kind of starts thinking, "Well, in two thousand twelve, that was when this happened. <laughs> that was right around the Cueto fight. So if Cueto was there, I mean, he would." He would have it all down, you know. He he connects the dots. Do you yeah. remember that time he was like, "Well, I was at the California Pizza Kitchen with my <laughs> yes. yeah, that was weird." My family. That, that. He remembers. I know. It's like a verbal goodwill hunting. You know, it's like he verbally puts all of the parts of the equation up on the dry erase board. You know, it's interesting. I went down and got a cup of coffee, and I did see the uh, Randy had a bunch of stuff up on the wall. That could be he could be goodwill hunting. Oh, he does. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, wow. he doesn't. I didn't see him, but I could see how he would do that. <laughs> yes, I could too. Absolutely. All right. That's, so, real quickly yeah, on Randy. Please go ahead. Okay, so I used to produce for Randy. He was that was my guy. We're and, in that same fraternity together. Former Randy Carricker producers. Emily, you're in the group too. So well, current, but you know, we we're at KMOX, and I'd be his producer, and. Um, He'd come in like with a stack of the reel-to-reels and stuff like that. That's what we used to do, guys. It were, there was no computers. Anyway, and it, it was a, he was a total mess, and he'd walk in there, and all these people would be calling in. And it was like trivia stuff. It wasn't like, hey, what do you think they need to do in the fourth inning? It was more like, hey, Randy, back in 78, you know, I, I'm, I got a ticket. I'm trying to figure, well, thank you, sir, for calling in, and let me figure this out. And he would have it. It was no computers. He would just do it off the top of his head. So I've been watching this all my life. Wow. He's a freak of nature when it comes to sports trivia.
I just don't know where he has the room for that in his brain because we have to remember so much on a day to day basis yes. that I feel like after the show's over, a lot of that stuff just gets erased from my hard drive. I can't remember anything. I have to keep a ton of notes because we have to cram so much That's how in. I do it. And not Randy. No. He just files it away. He's amazing. He really amazing is. Amazing when it comes to that stuff. So, He's Randall, uh, we've carried the torch till Monday. That's right. Good job, Dan. I'm sure okay. he'll be pumped. He'll, he'll probably play Al Davis twice in your honor on Monday. Oh, wow, that's sweet of him. <laughs> it is. Well, that's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. It is Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac. No character today here on 101 ESPN. And the Ascension Charity Classic is teeing off today. It's going to be an unbelievable weekend out at Norwood. And we're going to talk about it with Nick Ragone coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here with you. Randy Carricker is out today. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in our friend Nick Ragone. He is the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for Ascension. The Ascension Charity Classic officially underway out at Norwood Hills Country Club. And Nick, we have been looking forward to this event for so long. It feels like we have been talking about this forever. So what does it feel like for you to finally have things underway? You know, uh, Michelle, I was I was just out on the first tee watching Jay Delsing hit the first shot in tournament history, and I could tell you I've never been more nervous in my life to watch somebody <laughs> else hit a shot. I was flop sweating, and he, Jay pured it right down the middle. He started our tournament perfectly, and I got to tell you, I'm looking out of the crowds right now around the first tee, and it's four rows deep on the first tee at 8:30 in the morning. We got daily coming up in a few minutes, so the crowds are building even more. But it's I cannot express, I can't describe how amazing it is to see two years of vision and Danny's been on board since day one. He knows us playing out in front of us and bigger and better and more spectacular than even I dreamed up. And I have big dreams. It's just extraordinary. Hey, Nick, Danny, Mac, congratulations. It's awesome to see it all come to uh, fruition after what we uh, experienced last year, which was no tournament. I want to ask you about uh, telling our buddy Jay Delsing that, Hey, Jay, want to pull you aside and let you know, you're going to be the first to, to tee it up and to knock it out there. A guy that literally carried bags. He was a caddy out there, made it to the tour. And now to have this event on his home, home turf what was that like to be able to tell them that it was cool and we did it right here and it was um i gotta say it was one of the coolest things that i've ever been a part of and i gotta say jay's been extraordinary and this week has been exciting for him but i know he's been nervous and it's been tough because there's so many people rooting for him and he's been thinking about this for so long and he's just been so gracious and wonderful about sort of carrying some of the pressure of the tournament with him and and being such a wonderful brand ambassador for ascension and he's got a lot i tell you his crowd was huge he's got a lot of people pulling for him and he, you know this, Danny. He knows his course, and yes, I, I think he's come Sunday. He's going to be in the mix somewhere. I just think this sets up perfectly him, perfectly for him. And I'm just, I'm so appreciative. This is such a, a special moment for him. And he's, it. I know he's trying not to get emotional this week and just keep it in check. But I know that he's been feeling it, and he's just, uh, it just, it's a really special moment for the tournament. Nick Ragone joining us here on 101 ESPN to talk about the Ascension Charity Classic. Jay Delsing, as he mentioned, part of a great field column. Montgomery, who we spoke to earlier in the show, going to be a part of it. And of course, tomorrow, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Ozzie Smith, and Craig Bruby, the Legends Charity Challenge. There's 
there's a lot of star power out there, Nick. And you mentioned that there's already a ton of fans that are out at Norwood and it's only 840 in the morning. So I'm sure you're expecting more. Do you have an estimate of how many people you expect to see out at Norwood this weekend? Uh, yeah, we do. I mean, uh, let me put it in perspective. Yesterday was a pro-am day, a Thursday pro-am, and we had somewhere between four and 5,000 people for that, and I was talking with the tour. That's, for them, a, a pretty good Sunday, and we did that on Thursday. So uh, it's amazing. I mean, St. Louis knows how to come out for live sporting events, and particularly golf, but we could do anywhere from ten to 15,000 people just tomorrow, which would be a normal Champions Tour event. I think we're going to do that tomorrow, maybe more, just based on the last couple of days of sales. And people want to come out and see Jack and Tom. It'll probably the last time Jack plays in Missouri and Coach Bruvi and Ozzy, you know, they played in the pro-am yesterday. And if you've seen some of their interviews, they were both nervous. I mean, they're excited for this. This is competitive. They're playing for $25,000, the greatest of all time in watching Ozzy and Bruvi for first tee and PJ reach. And I could tell you, they're not viewing it as an exhibition. This is a, a contest to win charity money. And uh, I think we're going to set a record for attendance this year on champions tour uh, for sure. And, and maybe one of the all time marks. I just think St. Louis knows how to show for sports and golf and uh we're going to remind the rest of the country on the golf channel for three days that we are the best golf and sports community in the nation i love that nick and i'm sure a lot of people listening are planning on attending if they're not already there so just a a couple housekeeping questions what about parking and is there any tips that you can give people who are going to be going out there about the fan experience lines anything they need to bring stuff like that Sure. So the parking, we made it super easy. Uh, we uh, thank you to Express Scripts. They gave us their parking lot for the week. And so we have shuttles running from Express Scripts. It's a couple minutes away from the tournament site. We have eight shuttle buses running every 15 minutes. So, And we got we got rave reviews yesterday. I mean, people appreciate it. We had a huge crowd, 5,000 people. And the parking was seamless. The experience is seamless. I will give you, uh, your listeners, an inside tip. The best viewing experience is on the 11th green. You see 12 and 13. Amron supports this. And I want to thank Amron. And a great partner. It's the Ammon Public Viewing Station, so it's totally free and public. And it, it, and I, Danny, I don't know if you've been out there, but it is the perfect spot to yep. watch three-hole action. Yep. And it's just set up magnificently. And I could tell you, there's people already. I mean, I'm standing here on the 18th green doing this interview, and I'm looking at the first tee in the range. It. I, I mean, I'm not overstating it. It looks like a PGA Tour event. I'm seeing crowds already uh, on the first two, three holes that are two, three deep. I mean, I'm I'm sort of shocked by it. I cannot. I think the weather has something to do with it, but I cannot believe the turnout already. Nick Ragone from the uh, Ascension Charity Classic, our guest. They tee it up and have teed it up this morning, and they're off and running, and we got great weather, by the way, all weekend long. Uh, kind of a two-pronged question here. Number one, response to the players, generally what you're hearing, some of them arrived in St. Louis uh, a few days ago, obviously, to get some practice rounds in, kind of see how the course is playing, and then how is the course playing? What are you, what are you hearing from them about the course? So two-pronged, what just generally... Yeah. You know what they think and then uh, of just the experience and uh, how the course is setting up. Well, I can tell you, I was out here last Friday before any of the practice rounds, and uh, Jose Maria Olafable, two-time master champ, was out, and I ran into him, and he was on the uh, 12th hole, and he said to me, uh, A, these are the best, purest greens, not best, purest greens they've seen all year, and it's the best conditioned course they've played already. And this was after one practice round. He said, this is a wonderful setup. Uh, yesterday, Bernard Longer called it a, a beautiful old gem, 
Ernie L said, uh, and I'm quoting now, I love this course. I mean, it is getting rave reviews from the players. They absolutely love the, the course layout. The conditioning is just immaculate. The greens are as good as they get out here. And so they they absolutely love it. I mean, the players have been uh, very vocal in their support of the not just the layout, but Jim Furyk said, and again, this was a Thursday program. He said, I can't believe these crowds. I mean, it's great for them to play in front of crowds. It amps them up. It juices them up. And he's like, to do this on a Thursday pro-am. I mean, yesterday we were, I was watching the pro-am and Daly's tea time. It was three deep on a Thursday. It, I'm, I'm thankful I wasn't playing in that because I, I wouldn't have been able to take the club back. But um, <laughs> it, the, the, the players, lo- I mean, these are all, if you look at the lineup of players playing, it's all names that we all remember. And they love playing in front of crowds. And, and it reminds them that St. Louis is the place to be for live golf. Absolutely. And uh, Nick, we've been texting about this for quite some time now. It's beautiful weather. We're so thrilled for you guys. The Ascension Charity Classic out at Norwood. It's officially underway. Jay Delsing already teeing off, as Nick described earlier. Uh, And Nick, thank you so much for all of your assistance promoting this event, for giving us passes to give away. And we just want to congratulate you on a job well done. And I hope that during this weekend that you can take some time to enjoy (laughs) watching all of your hard work come to fruition because you should really be proud of this event. Michelle, I'll exhale Sunday night when we have a great <laughs> tournament, a great finish. And I want to thank you and Randy and, of course, Danny Mack. Danny Mack has been a partner from day one. He was at our press conference on October 8, 2019. We announced this. He believed in our vision when very few saw it. I had that vision. And Danny remembers I had, a, I had to sell that vision hard. And Emerson came on board and worldwide. But Danny was there right from the beginning. So thank you, Danny. It's been my pleasure. And it's an honor to be associated with you guys. It's awesome. So thank you for what you're doing for our community. Thanks, Nick. Take care. Thank you. Nick Ragone, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for Ascension. And Dan, this is going to be another great golf event here in St. Louis. It is. And uh, I met Nick uh, a few years ago. We were at a a, a luncheon together and uh, pulled him aside and said, hey, how can I help? And he said, well, we're kind of grassroots starting from the beginning. And I said, let's get it out there and promote it. And the thing that is so important that we need to realize they are donating more money out of this tournament than maybe any other in the Champions Tour. So it's going right back in our community and helping out these worthy causes in in North County. So um, one of the reasons I wanted to get involved, just saw that happen. I love golf, I mean, selfishly speaking, but we're making a difference with this tournament with what's going out and the monies that are being raised. So that's a, a huge component of this. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Character Smallman and Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. Get your texts in. It's Tioli. Take it or leave it. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and we're going to get to your tickets or take it or leave it. It's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> is Friday here on 101 ESPN. Carriker Smallman, Danny Mack, minus Randy Carriker. So just Michelle Smallman and Danny Mack here with you. And it's time for a late edition of Teoli, Take It or Leave It. And Dan, it's fine with me that we did a late edition because at the normal Take It or Leave It spot at 745, we had an unbelievable interview with Colin Montgomery. Yeah, that was awesome. So the Ascension Charity Classic is uh, off and running. If you didn't hear the interview, go to the podcast on the 101 ESPN website. Uh, Very cool to hear from one of the great golfers ever. So he 
celebrities in our town, and a lot of these great big names are here, so it's going to be fun. All right, here's my take it or leave it, Dan. So last night, in a really exciting game to kick off the NFL season, the Super Bowl champs, the defending Super Bowl champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, faced the Dallas Cowboys. The Bucs ended up winning the game on a last-minute drive by Tom Brady down the field. They kicked a field goal to beat the Bucs, or excuse me, to beat the Cowboys, 31-29. to But if you're a Cowboys fan, even though you started the season off with a loss, you probably feel pretty good this morning knowing that A, your team hung with the Bucks up until the end, and B, that Dak Prescott looked amazing last night. So, Dan, take it or leave it. Dak Prescott is going to be in the MVP conversation this season. I'm going to take that. I think they're going to be uh, actually pretty good. After I watched last night, he's a difference maker. He seems to be healthy. So I'm going to take that, that he will be an MVP candidate and live up to all the promise that is around Dak Prescott. It's unbelievable coming back from that injury. We all yeah. remember seeing him nasty, gruesome on the cart driving off after we all watched it go down. And he looks back and better than ever. Uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals take two of three this weekend again. Against the Reds. I'm going to take that. And in addition to the way that I feel about the Cardinals heading into the series, the Reds not looking great as of late. We talked earlier in the show Agreed. about that with Chris Welsh, who is the TV, uh, the TV voice of the Reds. And they've lost, I believe, four out of their last 12. And so and it, it's more on the, the way I feel about the Reds heading into this series than the Cardinals. I, I, I'm tending to uh, lean that way as well. I think they take two. I think the Cardinals take two of three this weekend. Are, take it or leave it. You're surprised they split versus the Dodgers. I'm going to take that, too. Me, too. I mean, um, I'm impressed that they were able to pull out the split. Special, you know, the first game, I... The only thing I thought about, yeah, I mean, mean, what are you going to do? The only thing I thought about with the first game was like, okay, it could be really a tight game because Scherzer's on the mound. He probably flew out ahead of the team, but the team's going to be exhausted over the fact that they played late the night before, get into St. Louis early in the morning, and sometimes you have that hangover effect. Um, But then, you know, seeing them up close and then Urias didn't pitch yesterday, they pushed him back to today against San Diego. The Dodgers did. He's got 16 wins to lead baseball, so these became bullpen starts, and their offense is not where it has been at different times this season. They've been struggling here lately, so uh, yeah, earning that split and you know, I you always figure Wayno's going to give be Wayno, but yesterday Woodford, I wasn't sure what to get. You sure. know what you expect, and you got four innings, and the team played well, so they get the split. Now they need to start winning series. Period. Period. Whenever uh, I see Max Scherzer's pitch, if I'm the opposition, I kind of take on my family from New Jersey's attitude. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, it's Max Scherzer. What are you going to do? Thirteen strikeouts in that game. Shadows became a factor. He even mentioned it after the game. He's like, "Yeah, the shadows became a factor in that game." And, and he was awesome. I always think he's, even in spring training, when he was with the Nationals and the Cardinals would see him down in West Palm, it's like he had something extra for the Cardinals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hometown. And he's Yeah, back in his hometown. He was awesome the other night. He really was. Well, let's get to some of your ticket or leave. It's on the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Emily, what do you have for us? From the 314, take it or leave it, the Mizzou Tigers will win by seven or more points this weekend. I'm going to leave it. I actually think Kentucky can win that game, and they've got a little payback for Mizzou. I'd love to see Mizzou win that game. I wasn't overly impressed with how they played uh, last weekend. Now, first game, I get it, but uh, let's see what happens this weekend. Kentucky has not been an easy out. No, not at all. <laughs> and you start your SEC play in week two of your of your season. Mm, I'm going to leave it. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cards will score six or more runs in at least one game this weekend. 
Usually it's, they have some a bit of an explosion in a series. Yeah, I'm going to take that. Take I don't it. know if it would be against Castillo. I would not go again. I would not. I, if, if you're going to have the offense, I think it either happens tonight or it happens on Sunday against Sonny Gray, but not against Castillo on Saturday. And then the following game, we expect at least maybe one run. Maybe one hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way things have gone this year. Pretty much. From the 314, take it or leave it, Juan Yepes gets 20 plate appearances in the majors this year. I'm going to leave that. I think if he was going to, you would have seen it already. He would have been up. From the 636, take it or leave it, call, de- call it devil magic if you want. The Cardinals will defy logic and make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Don't we want to take that? Isn't that why we want to watch the games? They're still they're still in it. I know. It, you want to be logical, but also as observers of this team you want to watch the games thinking that they have a shot at this can i wait till after next sunday i that's when i think you're going to know because you've got three with the reds then you go to new york another team that's just behind you and then you have the padres coming in next weekend which is the uh, 2011 reunion which is going to be fun they're gonna have like 40 guys back for that which is going to be really cool wow um i think you'll know more in a week from this sunday i know i'm 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 supposed to take it or leave it. I'm bypassing. You're a push? Yeah, I'm a push. And then you go Brewers, Cubs, Brewers, Cubs. Right. And I think you can handle that because Cubs, even though they played much better here lately, won seven or eight in a row, the, if you're a playoff team, you got to win those games, win that series. And you don't know with Milwaukee going into the playoffs, we know that for sure, how they would set up their pitching. So they may get, you know, they could skip a guy or one of their starters only goes four innings. Now they keep him on turn, but they curtail his innings to keep him fresh for um, the postseason. So they're not really necessarily worried about the Cardinals, more worried about themselves and what they do going forward. So things can change in the final couple weeks. Do you have one more, Emily? Yeah, we'll do one more real quick. From the 636, take it or leave it, this Cardinals team is the same type of team that Tony LaRussa and Dunk would get into the playoffs regularly. Mm, that's a really tough one. Because 2006, 2011 teams, you didn't expect to get in, They, you know, especially 2011, 10, 10 and a half games out. Everybody gave up on them. We had an interesting graphic on Bally Sports the other day. Uh, Keith O'Brien, who does a great job on our graphics, he said, hey, by the way, take a look at this. And so it was maybe five or six days ago. The 11 team had the exact same record as the 21 team at that point. Like this is within the last week. And then he showed, he said, now take a look. He sent me a thing. He goes, look at what Atlanta did in 2011 and what the Cardinals did in the final stretch run. Atlanta was the worst team in the National League. The Cardinals were the best record-wise. So that's how they you know, went up the, the, the scales to overtake it and win yeah. it on the final day. It's crazy stuff. It can happen. That's why, you, you know, you're three games out. It's been, I would say, more times this year, very frustrating watching this team. Sure. And the amount of times that they've lost in uh, a final at bat, you know, the walk-offs. I mean, that last road trip was rough. But you still say, okay, you're head-to-head with all these teams. It's in your hands. It, re- it truly is. Now, whether you believe in the team, that's for a different conversation. But at least you put yourself in a position to have a chance, which is what they got. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN. It's hard to believe, but tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of mm. the terrorist attacks on 9-11 here in America. And we're going to look back on that and reflect on how sports helped heal our nation. We're going to talk about that next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The president of the United States. I've never felt what I'd felt before when I walked out of that dugout. I felt the raw emotion of the Yankee fans. USA! USA! The crowd just erupts in a chant of USA. There is nothing like it that I've ever experienced at a ball game. It was overwhelming. President Bush is standing out there like a brick wall. I'm not afraid of terrorists. I'm going to stand all out here. I'm going to give you a thumbs up. And I'm going to throw a strike. I didn't vote for him, but at that point, my personal feelings about him as a politician is gone. I watched him, and he was my representative, and I had never felt that way before. Very nice throw, Mr. President. Good stuff. Good stuff. At that moment, everybody there was there for baseball and to show the world that in spite of what can happen to us, we'll pull ourselves together and what is our life and our way of life will continue. United we stand. We stand together in the face of this threat. We will play baseball in the midst of the, the beginnings of this war. No matter what the threat may be to us, the United States of America will stand strong and will never be intimidated. Wow. That was really powerful. It's Danny Mac. It's Michelle Smallman. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And it's hard to believe, Dan, that tomorrow is the 20th anniversary. Uh, anniversary is, seems like not the correct word to use here, but it's 20 years since the terrorist attacks in New York City on the World Trade Center from September 11th, 2001. And when you reflect on that day, there's there's so many things to, that come to mind. But us being a sports show, I will always remember sports and more specifically baseball being one of those things that really helped America heal from the destruction and the fear that we all felt that day and the days afterwards. Absolutely. And and that clip that we just came back with was from when President Bush threw out the first pitch. And uh, the, I remember seeing different things about that behind the scenes. He had gone underneath and warmed up and he had protective gear under him. He had a jacket on, but he had, you know, the, the gear to... Uh, keep him safe. He, he talked about having snipers, uh, you know, all over on top of the stadium. And he said it was very, very important, as crazy as it sounds, a ceremonial first pitch. He said, I'm going to throw a strike. He, I got to throw a strike and threw it hard. Um, and we all felt great at that moment. At least I did watching that. Um, I could tell you the Cardinals at that time when 9-11 hit, we were in Milwaukee and um Obviously, the game that night got canceled. We were then stuck in Milwaukee, not sure what to do. You know, we weren't sure at that point, are you going to play the next day? You're going to play a couple of days after that. Yeah. You know, everybody was just kind of in a wait and see mode and everybody was just glued to their television. Uh, Eventually, we all got into rental cars and, and got back home. Ironically enough, as they're playing out at Norwood, I used to play out at Norwood a lot. And Norwood is located right by... The airport, and so if you ever play Norwood Hills Country Club, you'll always hear the the planes going overhead. Like it's just part of the playing out there. It's there's it's right by Lambert, so there's always planes that go overhead. And we finally got back. I don't know two or three days later, and I went out to go hit some golf balls because sports had been shut down. And uh, I remember the eerie feeling of being out there and just playing and not hearing a plane. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just yeah. bizarre. Um, and the BMW, which was supposed to be at Belle Reve at that point in time, got canceled. So sports had shut down. Yeah. Everything had shut down. Um, in baseball, 
and sports, but baseball specifically, I think, had a massive role in getting us back on our feet and getting back to some sense of normalcy and coming back to a stadium and a crowded area and uh, and just you know, all the questions that we had at that point in our lives. And I think then about when we came back and listening to Jack Buck make his famous speech, a uh, a, a veteran of war, um, he had won medals in, in his service, distinguished service to our country, and having him address the crowd um, and then also wrote a poem. As, as many of you know that maybe our younger fans don't know, but Jack would write a lot, and sometimes there'd be poems that he would put to music or put to sound effects and that kind of thing and he came out and basically he said is it okay to be here and every and he said yes and when he said that man it was I get goosebumps thinking about it now I was sitting in the booth getting ready to do the game and watching that and just in awe of seeing his speech and delivery to all of us that had come to watch something America's pastime Mm -hmm. the game that we love the team that we love and it was just amazing to have baseball be a big part of our lives and so now this weekend, we've got the Ascension Charity Classic. We've got games on uh, college football, pro football, Major League Baseball. Um, and all these events are going to recognize, you know, 20 years after 9-11. But really, it was at that time, at least in my opinion, it was baseball that really helped us get back on our feet. Absolutely. And we love sports for so many reasons. We love to watch greatness. We love that it represents us and our communities. But sports is the great connector in so many ways. And when that happened, so many people were afraid and unsure. And I really remember the American spirit rising at that time and people thinking about their neighbors and thinking about our country and really coming together. And baseball was such a big part of that. And you mentioned the Jack Buck poem. And I want to play this because nothing really represents that that time or makes me feel more profoundly than listening to Jack Buck's poem. Since this nation was founded under God more than 200 years ago, we have been the bastion of freedom, the light that keeps the free world aglow. We do not covet the possessions of others. We are blessed with the bounty we share. We have rushed to help other nations, anything, anytime, anywhere. War is just not our nature. We won't start, but we will end the fight. If we are involved, We shall be resolved to protect what we know is right. We have been challenged by a cowardly foe who strikes and then hides from our view. With one voice we say, we have no choice today. There is only one thing to do. Everyone is saying the same thing and praying that we end these senseless moments we are living. As our fathers did before, we shall win this unwanted war, and our children will enjoy the future we'll be giving. Incredible. Dan, take me to where you were at that time. Take me to that moment and what it was like for you to witness that. Uh, Packed house at Bush Stadium in the booth, uh, getting ready to call the game and listening to that. I still get goosebumps. I still get emotional thinking about it. It was an emotional time in our country, so much so that 
you know, you looked out in the crowd and I was looking at the monitors, too, of our cameras <clears throat> that I, you know, cannot see up close. But our cameras can get up close to those that are uh, in the stands and just the tears rolling down cheeks, uh, people kind of arm in arm, people hugging. Um, and then you felt after that, Paul, I really felt like you felt better about being back at a crowded stadium and back at the ballpark. Um, because at that point in time, too, we weren't sure, should we congregate? Should we get together? What's out there, you know, taking you back to that feeling of, of is it right to be is it right to be playing sports? Right. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, should you just shut that down and focus on the more important things in, in hand at that time? And um, I think Jack put it in perspective where it's okay to do this. We are a free country, and we should enjoy the things that we all have loved, which is going to a baseball game, taking your kids, whatever. Um, and that's what it felt like. And there were so many great moments, whether it was uh, George Bush throwing out that first pitch in New York City. Right. And it wound up being a, a just a fabulous World Series that year. I think it's one of the great World Series ever with the Diamondbacks and uh, the Yankees. Yankees had a bunch of walk-off wins. Places going crazy off of Young hung Kim. You had the Mr. November because sports got pushed back a week. So That's we right. didn't play for a while. And I think baseball, it was 10 days. It was 10 days. Yeah, 10 days that they decided not to play. Um, they did not play the NFL that weekend. Um, and anytime I see Mike Piazza, I think of his home run. Yep. I don't think about him as a great hitting catcher, maybe the greatest ever. I think about his home run um, back at Shea Stadium. And for anybody that ever went to Shea Stadium, the place literally rocked. Like it moved. It, it would. It would. It, the the place would move. Um, and I remember watching that game and he hits a home run in the eighth inning against the Atlanta Braves. And it's one of the most remarkable sporting moments I've ever seen because of the backdrop of what was happening in our country. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead 3-2. to Shaking. And remember at that time, uh, Bobby Valentine was the manager of the Mets and both teams, I believe, came out in like the New York Fire Department and New yes, York they did. Uh, first responders caps. And many of those guys had gone down to ground zero to help. And Shea Stadium was also a place where a lot of people would go. And I can't remember exactly what it was for, but they used Shea Stadium as a place to help people and the food that was given out and water and various things. I mean, and now you're playing a baseball game there and to have that moment. It's just uh, it really is. It's just incredible. I remember at the beginning of that game feeling the sadness still after the world sure. had come to or, or especially our country had come to a standstill after 10 days. But that game is a great encapsulation of how sports can heal because you feel sad and trepidation heading into this. And then by the eighth inning, Mike Piazza with that home run, it takes you outside of what's happening, right? right. And that's what sports is. It takes you out of what you're dealing with in your day-to-day -day life, whether it's your bills or whether it's a tragedy that's happening in our country. And it is the great unifier. And I'll always remember that game as, as a very profound moment in sports and American history. And to do it in that town with uh, you know, a town that had just been the city had just been devastated. Our country's devastated, but so many people clearly in New York City had been it was just awful. And to see 
that kind of moment to take you away from, at least for the time being, give you a little relief outside what was happening and to have that moment. And and I felt like it was, should we be doing this now? And, and Jack said that in his speech, too. He, should we be here? And he said, yes. And he said it, yes, like that. And that's what it made me think of, you know, like, yeah, we we need to pick up and move on as much as we can. And sports is a way to help you do that, to live your normal everyday life. Absolutely. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. We were looking back on how sports helped heal our nation as we look back 20 years since 9-11, 2001. Coming up next, though, David Backus signs a one-year contract to retire as a blue. The captain is coming home. We're going to talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, Danny Mac, usually on a Friday. Randy Character is out today. And Dan, some great news coming out of the Blues world yesterday. David Backus, former Blues captain, retired from the NHL. He signed a one day contract with the Blues. And it's just great to have David Backus bookend his career where it started. He had an unbelievable career being the captain of the Blues, represented the Blues and the note in the city of St. Louis so well. And when he came back this past season and we saw the emotion, especially post-game and in his, in his interview with Darren Pang, we knew how much the Blues in St. Louis meant to him. So to have him sign that one-day contract and retire as a Blue, pretty special. Yeah, I think it might have been like on the anniversary of when he was named the captain of the St. Louis Blues as well. Yesterday, signing the one-day deal to uh, finish his career with the St. Louis Blues. And we talked about it earlier. You think about what he means to the organization and what he means is they were in a rebuild when he was coming through and part of that was uh, playing with players that um, not only could teach you whether it was Keith Kachuk or some of the others at that time at the tail end of their careers and imparting their knowledge on what it means to be a pro and what it means to be an NHLer but also a leader so his fingerprints are all over the Stanley Cup championship team of the St. Louis uh, Blues in terms of you know he he was able to kind of as he was then maturing to help those young guys that graduated to being Stanley Cup champions so you know He's had a big impact in this organization, and I think the the reason that he's beloved here in this town is not only was he a hell of a hockey player and tough and wore the C, but the way that he was able to represent the the community as well and did just an amazing job, he and his family, of, of doing so many different things in the community off the ice, which is why we appreciate many of the players that have come through this town in the various sports. Absolutely, and if you missed it yesterday, David Backus had an unbelievable interview with the Fastlane. Go ahead and download the podcast on the 101 ESPN app, 101 ESPN.com and check that out. But he was talking with the boys in the fast lane yesterday and he talked about coming to St. Louis as a young player and when St. Louis really started to feel like it was home for him. Well, I think obviously it won't let me live in his house uh, to begin with. That was a nice introduction. Somebody I looked up to um, when I was younger and seeing, you know, him live his day-to-day life, a little bit of family life, uh, you know, and now those boys that were in diapers are now, playing the NHL so it's crazy how that evolves um but that that was a great introduction and uh like I say in that letter I wrote like those those first couple of years with guys like Dan Hynode who was not even in the top you know 60 percent of 
skill guys out there, but he had the will to make an impact on every game. And uh, just all those guys when I was young that showed me the way, poured into me, and, uh, you know, how the whole organization kind of grew together from my time there. Of 06, 07 was a tough time to be part of the organization and part of the Blues family and, uh, you know, 10, 12,000 people in the stands. And uh, now you look at that place and it's a, it's a hot ticket and it's come a long way and something I feel like I played a little bit of a role in and very proud of that. Before we get into what David Backus said, he mentioned the letter he wrote. If you haven't read it, stlouisblues.com. I think it's on NHL.com too, but it's called Back Where I Belong. And it's a really heartfelt letter that he wrote looking back on his career and what St. Louis means to him. If you're a Blues fan and you haven't read it, please take the time out today to do so. And a lot of young fans probably wouldn't realize that uh, there were times that that building was not full. And he mentioned that, you know, it was a a transition period and he was right in the, you know, I would say maybe the middle of it, kind of beginning middle. And then they got good. And a lot of that had to do with David Backus being the centerpiece of building around him with the franchise. Um, and so it's it's very interesting to hear his perspective there, listening to that comment about, you know, yeah, the place wasn't full and now it's a hot ticket and he's right. And we're going to get back to that. We, we will get back to, you know, we're talking about how sports can help coming out of tragedy. And that certainly happened with 9-11. And I would like to think that sports will do that with COVID as well. Um, and I, I think back to when the Blues just weren't very good. I mean, you'd go down there and, you know, place would be, you know, maybe 12,000, 13,000 people. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden as they got better, now it's fourteen to fifteen, and then it's a sellout. And then it's playoff hockey again. And he had some great mo- uh, moments in postseason play too. Absolutely. And David Backus, not only the captain of the Blues, but so many pe- Blues fans, so many people in St. Louis, he was their guy. He was their favorite player. And it was really tough after 10 years when David Backus left the Blues at uh, he was a free agent. It was the 2015-2016 season. He went to, of course, the Boston Bruins on a five-year, $30 million deal. And that was really tough for a lot of Blues fans to think about David Backus leaving the organization and playing, especially in Boston. And David Backus spoke with the Fastlane about what it was like going from St. Louis to Boston. Yeah, it is a bit of a, a new world you're stepping into. I would say, you know, professionally from all the new, you know, teammates to meet and get some equity built up with them to new roles and you know coming from a place where I knew every night okay top line that's my assignment and now it's okay you're in a different role you don't know who you're going to be lined up against and your line mates are changing on the regular so it was it was a big adjustment that being said I think it also gave me some perspective and opened my eyes to a different part of the game because I was so blessed to have a prominent role um, for so long there that now in a supporting role, you get to see some of the difficulties that some guys go through or that they go through their whole career. And uh, being able to empathize with those, I think, helped me to be a better teammate moving forward to say, you know what, there is another side of this. But in this role, you know, you got to hang your hat on some of these other intangibles that you might not be spending two or three or four minutes on the power play each night where the, the cookies all lie. You might have to have some you know, other impacts in the game and being physical or shutting down other teams' best lines or whatever that may be and hang your hat on that and know that you're really helping the team win just as much as those guys that are putting the points up when they're getting those uh, opportunities on power play or, or other opportunities like that. 
a shift in role for for David Backus for sure. And Dan, the only negative for me, and I said this at the top of the show, and I mean it, the only negative about the the Blues winning the Stanley Cup in 2019 is not only that David Backus wasn't with the team because his blood, sweat, and tears went into building a lot of that team that eventually did win, but that also he was on the opposition. Yeah, and he offers great perspective listening to that about how if you are lucky enough to stay in the league, whatever sport you're playing, your role does change. I mean, a lot of times you're not the elite player that you were when you came in and you have to have the mental ability and thought process to change as the times change and as your skills diminish. And that's what happened with David Backus. I mean, at the end of his career, you know, he was a guy that was getting scratched and, you know, figuring out then, well, what's my role? Well, my role is to help these young guys get better. They're paying me to be a mentor. And he took on that role. Not every guy wants to do that. Not every guy can do that. It's a hard thing to do. It's a it's a pride swallowing kind of thing sometimes where other guys look at it as um, a feather in their cap to where they say, you know, I'm looked at as a leader. I'm mm-hmm. looked at as a mentor. I accept that. I understand that my playing time may be cut, but yet uh, this guy, I'm here to help because there were people that helped me. And that, you know, you start, we always talk in baseball how it went from uh, Chris Carpenter to Wainwright to now Jack Flaherty and that kind of thing. And you kind of look at what's going on with the Blues now. It went from Pronger, McInnes, and Kachuk to David Backus to David Perron, and, and the list goes on and on. You have to have those kind of guys that help you and help the young players understand what it means to be a pro, uh-huh. both on and off the field or ice. And obviously, David Backus understood that and accepted it and and thrived in doing that, too. For sure. Again, a big welcome home to Captain David Backus. He signed a one-day contract to retire Blue. And if you missed that interview with the Fast Lane, be sure to download it. It was great. And uh, on 101 ESPN or the 101 ESPN app. And speaking of the Fast Lane, it's the final week for you to enter the Fast Lane's contest going to Chicago. They're heading to Chicago Chi-Town in just a few weeks for a special road trip to Wrigleyville and you could potentially win your way in on the fun courtesy of Walter Knoll Flores. All you have to do is visit any of Walter Knoll's four area locations now through Sunday. You just find the QR code when you get into the store and you're entered to win a free weekend in the Windy City including a two-night hotel stay, an invitation to an all-inclusive happy hour party with the Fast Lane in Chicago. That's worth your admission right there. A $100 gas card and more. You can get all the details on this special Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll and the Fast Lane right now. Just go to 101ESPN.com. It's Danny Mack. It's Michelle Smallman. And it's 101 ESPN. And coming up next, it's your Killing Me Small. Stick it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman on this Friday on 101 ESPN. And we wanted to remind you that the roast of our teammate of Jamie Rivers is this Saturday night. It's taking place at the St. Louis Music Park at Centene Community Ice Center. I was just there this past weekend for a concert. Beautiful facility. Stand-up comedian Ian Bagg is going to headline a group of celebrity roasters as they hurl insults at our boy Jamie mm. Rivers. You have to be 21 plus to attend. Tickets are on sale now. No baby ears. You must be of age. Get all the ticket details for the roast of Jamie Rivers right now at 101 ESPN. Com, and a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff for you, Dan. I yeah. happen to know one person who is going to be roasting Mr. Rivers, who has been texting me some of his material. Martin Kilcoin? No, I'm not going to reveal it okay. because uh, I don't want this person to be any of the stuff to be put on blast. It's got to be a surprise, but it's going to be really funny. <laughs> Would you allow yourself to be roasted? 
Sure. I mean, anything they say about me, I probably have already said about myself or I know to be true. Then you haven't been to a really good roast. Really? <laughs> have you been roasted ever? No, 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 no. Because I feel like emotionally I wouldn't be able to handle it once I got through it. I'd laugh. Oh, I'd be laughing really hard. And then I'd wake up the next day and go, God, I'm really a bad person. You'd be laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. Yes, I would. Well, that's one of those things is you have you have to almost close the book as soon as it's over. You can't think about it afterwards because you'll go Ooh. down a self-loathing rabbit hole oh probably. Did you ever see the celebrity roasts? Some of them, yeah. Oh my goodness, those are hilarious. Those are, are so funny. Like when Bieber got roasted and <laughs> yeah. they had, I, I can't remember who the other one was, but they... You know, they get a couple of comedians up there and like Snoop Dogg is there with um, who's the lady that does all the cooking and all the uh, Martha Stewart Stewart is on there. And I'm like, what is going on, man? And it's hilarious. It's they're rough. But man, is it funny? If you were going to be roasted, who would you want to host your roast? Well, it had to be a local guy. I mean, Kilcoin would be Martin Kilcoin is a Fox 2 is hilarious yes. and he's going to be part of the one with Jamie. I mean, he is one funny guy. So, yeah, he he would do it and I'm, you know, I would look at him. <laughs> I'd say Martin, I love you but god, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be I'm such an easy target. Be easy. I mean, just go up there and just destroy me. That and that's what you do. I mean, you agree to do this, you raise money for it, but you got to go in with an open mind. Now, the thing is, if you're Jamie Rivers, and you're a former hockey player and you bounced all over the place. Um, a locker room is you better have thick skin. Right. So it's part of I mean, it's just like now it's going to be open to the public for them to see what probably has been said a million times inside that locker room. I feel like because of Twitter and this text line every day, I have enough people telling me what they think is wrong with me that a roast among people that I actually care about would be nothing. Oh, this is nothing. <laughs> you know, text what I mean? line, Twitter. Oh, yeah. like you yeah. have pe- we have people telling us what they how much they hate us and yeah. that we suck every day. So to have a roast and actually have some comedy involved and have it and Ooh. have some laughs I feel like that would be a, a cakewalk I uh I don't know what time <laughs> it's at night right Saturday night I can't make it we got a Saturday night game don't I'll, worry. Be, I'll be taking notes on the jokes I'll report back okay are you I'm, going I'm gonna be there I'm really excited oh you gotta take some notes and I, I want to see I want to hear what it's all about I will be the roast insider and I will report back I love it. Killing me, Smalls. All right, Dan. Well, the NFL kicked off last night. The Buccaneers ended up defeating the the Dallas Cowboys, the Super Bowl defending champion Dallas. Or my gosh, can I speak? The Super Bowl defending Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Dallas Cowboys, thirty-one twenty-nine, and. It looks like the Cowboys were going to win that game. We're watching it up on the screen right now, but they gave Tom Brady a little bit over a minute, and he did what he did and put the Buccaneers in a position to kick a field goal and end up winning the game down. And afterwards, Tom Brady said it was a win, but it certainly wasn't perfect. You know, we just had so many drives during the middle of the game where we didn't do anything uh, to keep them off the field, so we kind of exposed our defense, and then obviously we're not moving the ball. Um, had a couple turnovers. That certainly uh, set us back, so... There's obviously a lot to clean up, but, um, you know, I have confidence in all those guys. You know, I've been here, you know, 18 months now, so we've not a perfect game. There's obviously a lot to kind of unpack from this one, but um, it's a good football team. You know, they they have a really good offense. They they have a, you know, very sound defense. They have a lot of good players on defense, so um, it's a good team. We're going to have to, uh, you know, we obviously got a lot to clean up. He's amazing. You know, the guy doesn't age, and I said this earlier when I'm sitting there watching that game last night. 
he's flinging it all over the field, and it's like his arm has been rejuvenated. I thought his arm last night was the best I've seen it in like two or three years. It was incredible. Right. And Pres- Deck Prescott was great, and uh, the game was great. It's always entertaining games in the NFL for the most part, and it comes down to the final drive, and we were talking about this earlier. You know, if you give Tom Brady a minute, you feel like in a tight game he's going to win it, and he did. It's just what he does. Yeah, do you think anyone watching that game, including Dallas Cowboys fans, didn't think that Brady would put the the Bucks no. in a position to win? You just knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. Didn't you think it was? I thought, you know what? He's got a shot. He's got enough time. He's got to get to whatever it was. And, uh, you know, when you start looking at the yardage he needed to cover with the amount of time he had, I'm like, yeah, it's over. Oh, I did the pretty woman watching it at home. Big mistake. Huge. What was the line on that game? Do you guys know? Mm-mm. I don't know what the line was. I know the Bucks were favored, but I, do, I don't think I, yeah. by much. I don't think by much. We need I, to get Anthony Salter on the line. He's the oh, yeah. betting guy. He would know. Well, and Brad, too. And Brad, too, yeah. Actually, the entire fast lane would know. But they bet the board every day. I would say this, though. If I'm a Cowboys fan and I watch Dak Prescott, the way that he came back after his gruesome ankle injury, I'd say I feel pretty good about my team. For sure. But... Man, Brady's ridiculous. Yes, he is. And Damian Woody, he was on with Scott Van Pelt post game last night and talked about just how ridiculous Tom Brady still is. I've never seen anything like it. Right. I really, I mean, I think when you're at this level, there's only a few guys that that's able to sustain and, and take it to the level that Tom Brady's at. And I'm thinking, you know, all time grace, the you know, the the Jordans, the Tigers, you know, those, that's the that's the rare area that Tom Brady is in. Most professional athletes, once they taste that success, right. they get complacent. That's what I'm saying. He's not complacent. <laughs> like he still has the chip on his shoulder, that edge from being the sixth round, 199th pick in the NFL right. draft. So it's just remarkable watching Tom at the age that he's at, being able to being able to just again sling the ball all over the field tonight. The physical stuff is always obviously what makes the greats the greats, but the mental stuff, as Tony Larusa say would say, tie for first. When when we talk to Adam Wainwright every week, the competitive nature that drives him not only during the season but in the off season, how he trains his body, his quest for knowledge on how to be better, what he does from a nutrition standpoint, from from a, a physical preparation standpoint. Tom Brady's the same way, and uh, for you to be able to maintain yourself as a great player for this long, it has to be a full dedication of your entire life. Oh, yeah, 24-7, 365, he's done that. I also think that the clock management wasn't great on the flip side, and there was some missed field goals. Uh, We're getting some texts. It was a line of nine, Mm. Um, so the Cowboys covered, so... Well, I guess you're happy there. The Cowboys covering you, <laughs> the Cowboys. But, you know, yeah, he's amazing. And as long as he doesn't get hurt, I would say they're the favorite coming out of the NFC. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would think so. Well, yeah. they're... It's going to be an interesting After season. watching last night, I'm like, yeah. And by the way, Gronk, Ugh. he's all over the place, too. For sure. Yeah. So they're they're loaded again. They are. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. It is Danny Mac and Smallman. No character today here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to cross it over with Dan to get you ready for his show. And we're going to have a little gift, an opportunity for you to win some tickets. That's coming up next. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 
been an awesome Friday morning here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Danny Mac have been hanging out with you. And before we get you set for the Danny Mac show with BK, we are going to give you the second phrase and the phrase that pays. Dan gave one of his two favorite Chris Stapleton songs. He revealed the first one in the 8 o'clock hour. <laughs> you had to be listening to get that one. And now... <laughs> Dan, can you give us your second favorite Chris Stapleton song in the phrase that pays? Tennessee whiskey. Tennessee whiskey. So if you were listening in the 8 o'clock hour and you heard Dan's other song, text both song names in to 65780 and you could win two tickets to see Chris Stapleton next Thursday night, September 16th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. The tickets are still on sale now and they're not cheap tickets, Dan. This is a hot ticket in town, so you want to text in right now to win these tickets. There's also a bonus Bonus chance to win free tickets for this concert right now at 101ESPN.com and on your 101 mobile app. And Dan, what number texter should we select? Uh, it will be texter five. In honor of Albert Pujols. Yeah, I was just thinking about Albert leaving town. So I'm going with uh, Albert Pujols and five, even though he wears 55, but I don't want to see that many texts come in. So five. (laughs) Okay, so texting quickly. Both of our phrase that pays for tickets to Chris Stapleton right now. And speaking of Albert Pujols, Dan, it was so great to have him back in St. Louis this week. And we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we didn't really expand on it. I do wonder if this is the last time that we'll see him or if he will be back next season in any capacity in baseball. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Edmonds made an interesting comment on the broadcast yesterday. He thinks this is it. And um, now I uh, we were talking off the air, too, and he said that on the air. He said, I'm not so sure he's going to play. You know, he said, I, I think this could be it. And Jimmy and, and Albert are good friends. And then I asked him off the air. I said, you got any insight? He said, no. He goes, you know, just something that I think about. He goes, you know, I don't know if 700 is. And I, he was like, I don't know if 700 is as important to him maybe as saying, you know what? I've just had enough uh, Body's tired. You know, it's time to move on, whatever the case may be. Now, what's going to be cool is that he's going to have a great shot to win a championship again with the Dodgers. They're loaded. They're very, very good. Um, I think it's important that they win the division. They've got to also pick up their their offense, but they're going to get Kershaw back. They're going to have Danny Duffy come back. They got uh, Gonsolin back yesterday, so they're getting healthier here down the stretch. But as it pertains to Albert, the the only thing I kept on thinking was, again, as he was running off on a fielder's choice at second base, um, if this is it, man, what a ride it's been to see him play in St. Louis with those great years, uh, the decade plus, and we'll never see a 10-year, 11-year period like that again, I wouldn't right. think. I mean, he averaged 330. I think it was like 120 in terms of runs batted in and 40 home runs. That was the average. That's insane. It is. And uh, so, I, you know, to say that we're going to see that again, I don't think so. And I advancing the story i say this all the time with albert and with yachty you're not going to see that you you won't see a combo like that ever again i'm not sure you're ever going to see a catcher that plays as long as he does at the level that he has seeing wayno what he's doing at the age of 40 which i think now he has to be in the Cy Young consideration he's going to get at least four maybe five more starts mm-hmm. you know what does he do in those starts he's got 15 he can become a 20 game winner and i understand it's not all about wins and losses but the other things that he's doing He's one of 10 now, sub ERA of below three. He could lead the uh, league in innings pitched. And if they get into postseason play, he will be a big reason why they do because Absolutely. they have to win so many games down the stretch. 
But um, to your original point, is this it for Albert? Very well could be. And um, if it is, what a hell of a run it was. Absolutely. Uh, And only he knows this, and we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. But I do wonder if the Dodgers win the World Series this season, if that will impact his decision at all. Because even though he might he wouldn't get to 700 at that point to leave as a champion might be a nice closing thing for him sure. um so i hope it's not the end because i would love to see him get to 700 what a, a rarefied error and and what an amazing accomplishment that would be and i would just love to watch him every game get closer and closer and closer to that feat and when people talk about him playing next year now you'd have to consider that the dh is in play in the national league with the new cba coming so that could open up some jobs but um you know primarily michelle he's a guy that's gonna face left-handed pitching Mm -hmm. and that's it he's not gonna you know if if it's if everything's to plan he should not be facing right-handed pitching and i mentioned this um i guess it was yesterday or a couple of days ago but you know the three batter minimum is something to think about too so if you're an opposing manager and let's say the three batter minimum goes away. So like yesterday, it worked out perfectly for Dave Roberts. TJ McFarland came in. The pitcher spot was up third for them. They were going to pinch hit. McFarland's left-handed. So it made that decision very easy to, to use Albert Pujols in that spot to face a lefty. Mm-hmm. But if the three batter minimum would go away, if I'm the opposing manager and I know Albert Pujols is coming up, if I have the ability, I'm going to go say, wait till he's announced. So now I know he's the pinch hitter. And I'm going to go get my guy and bring a right-hander in. So the the point is, is that it limits what he can do. I mean, he's going to be 42, you know, and he's not running well. He's not playing every day in the field. So his options are to be a right-handed bat to face left-handed pitching coming off the bench. And there is a place for that because he's destroying left-handed pitching. He's still doing it. But is if rosters expand next year, there's talk that maybe you'd have 27 on a roster and you can manipulate that and it works, then yes. If not, his options could be limited in coming back. For sure. And, you know, the other thing is, is if 700 is important to him, does he want to do it? Let's say of all these different places, the the the, uh, the Dodgers say no and, you know, the, the better teams, let's say, say no. Do you want to go play for the Pirates? Do you really want to go do finish your career with the Rockies just because you're going to right. get to seven? I, I don't know. Maybe that he would. I, I don't know. But you got to wonder what are the options after the season is through and how limited they are or maybe not. We'll see. We will. Dan, it's been a super fun morning with you. We had so much to cover. David Back is signing a one-day deal to retire as a Blue. The Ascension Charity Classic kicking off. It's going to be an awesome weekend here in St. Louis. The NFL season started last night. We're going to have a lot of college football and NFL action this weekend. And, of course, the Cardinals splitting things with the Dodgers, splitting that series after a 2-1 victory yesterday. A very important series versus the Reds starting tonight. And I'm assuming you're going to tackle all of that with BK coming up next on your show. Yes, ma'am. We've got uh, Tommy Thrall. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds, so he'll be our guest. I really enjoyed uh, the Colin Montgomery interview. If you if you get a chance to listen to one of the great golfers ever uh, and you like accents, yes. you're going to really like that. He was he was great. That was fun. Always fun to be with you, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Dan. We'll be tuned in to your show coming up next, the Danny Mac Show with BK. Emily, thank you for all your great work this morning. Thanks, you as well. And I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carricker was out today, but Randy, Emily, and I will both be back on Monday, but until then, have an awesome weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.